0: Nobody makes it easier to stay on top of all of your health concerns than Meridian Medical Services. Hey, it's JMV. Call them today, 317-925-0811, and schedule your heart screening. I know my situation. You should, too. Make the call. It is affordable. It is easy. And you will know. 317-925-0811. Nobody's more affordable. Nobody's easier than Meridian Medical Services. Call them today, 317-925-0811. 11.
1: What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now.
2: Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. <laughs>
3: and again it's picked up. it's Darius Leonard a pick six for the maniac touchdown A-N-D-Y yes
1: sir uh, oh, the double time. Miles yeah. John I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey,
0: welcome in. It's a Tuesday, abbreviated week because of Thanksgiving. If you are out and about, hopefully you're having a blast and preparing for a great deal of an enjoyment with your friends and your family. We got a couple of more days, like today and then tomorrow. Now, I will say this. Yesterday... And this was all me, by the way, too. Nobody else had said anything about it. For some reason in my head, we were going to be doing Larcity Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul tequila shots from Parks Place Pub in Fishers today. And I think I talked about that yesterday a couple of different times. But I screwed that up. That was my bad. Uh, we are not there today. In fact, we are in studio today. We'll be back at Parks Place Pub coming up next Thursday. Tomorrow, however, it is going to be a Bud Light Blue Friday, which is, again, a Bud, a Bud Light Blue Wednesday. And you got to keep this in mind here, too. Monday Night Football is coming, right? Uh, we have seven pair of Steelers Colts tickets to give away coming up tomorrow. And this is a tradition that we do. We go to Broad Ripple, we go to Brothers, you guys come by, we have a good time, and we're going to do that again coming up tomorrow on a Bud Light Blue Wednesday, seven pair of Monday night football tickets. I know, I know, well, the Colts, and and you're disappointed, and I know we're going to probably talk about Nick Ceriani coming up in just a bit. I asked yesterday regarding exactly anybody in the general vicinity when he approached the crowd on Sunday looked like it was a couple, maybe even more than a handful of Eagles fans. But he said that blank was for Frank Reich. Make no mistake about this. And it doesn't matter what Nick Seriani says. I'll be honest with you. I would expect a friend that has been given this opportunity and helped out to get to where he is right now, I would understand why a friend would have that person's back. I'd understand it. But don't let this get lost, and it will. It's going to get lost in the this and the that. This guy is, yeah, that's what you want, some guy that's going to go do that. Don't let it get lost in the simple fact that it was time. In season, out of season, it was time. This whole thing had run its course. And I've heard those that suggest, well, Jim Mersey had set Frank Reich up to fail with Sam Ellinger. Was that a good idea? No. Was he set up to fail? No. Want to know why? Because he was already failing. That's the truth. You know who else is failing? The general manager. So don't let that get lost in the shuffle of everybody say, well, he has the right to defend his friend, or he shouldn't have said anything because his team barely got by a bad team, which is true, by the way. More true than the other. Actually, both are true. I would hope that a lot of my friends would have my back. And will always have my back because I damn straight know that I'm going to have theirs. Always. But at the same time, you cannot let it get lost in the the translation of, man, this guy, he's got a big sack or whatever. I, who cares? did not matter if it was on a Monday, if it was midweek, it was before the season, after the season, whenever. That change at head coach had to happen. And now we're past it all. Who cares? Who cares if it's Jeff Saturday? Doesn't matter. Still the same team. It's not like he's going to wave a magic wand and all of a sudden this team is going to be better, especially offensively, than it has been. But that's what that comes down to. doesn't matter. That was the owner's choice. That's who the owner wanted. Do you roll the dice? I guess you do. People have asked me all the times in terms of how will others that they want to bring into the future, how will they interpret what has transpired in the past couple of weeks? I can't tell you right now. Who knows how this thing is going to look at the end of the season? It seems like that if you want a gig, and unless your name is Scott Milanovich, and you turn it down, which I'm sorry is ill advised. And again, I come, I come from a place to where what I do right now, when I first started, because I was working at a tire shop. When I first started, I was told by smart people, do everything that they ask. So I did. I was talking out in the hallway before the start. It's weird. I don't have a lot of Thanksgiving memories in the past. Well, in the past 10 years, yes, but 10 years prior, going all the way back basically from 94 through Midway or the latter portion of 2000, I don't have a great deal of memory of Thanksgiving and Christmas. Why? Because I was working. I don't mind it. It kind of comes with the territory. So to ask me if I understand why somebody would turn down a gig like that, I don't understand it because that's not me. That's not how I've been. I would tell people that are trying to do this right now, it is even more important that you do whatever is asked of you because everything with technology is shrinking. You have shrinkage because of technology. But getting back to Nick Seriani for a moment, sure, great friend, you would expect that. You want friends like that to go to bat for you. Now, he won by a point over a bad team. Hallelujah. But again, make no mistake, completely justified in making a move. And whether or not you liked the move or it wasn't executed the way that you wanted or we have a butthurt good old boy network, whatever, whatever, it was time. I mean, look at Frank. Look back at Frank Rock on the sideline. It was mope city. He was moping. He would never say this. And I'm not a great judge of body language. I mean, others say that they are, but they're full of crap. It's just a guess. It's just a guess that he was miserable. Why is it a guess that he's miserable? Because the team looked miserable. Why is that a good guess? It's because the team played most of the time as if it was miserable. You don't have to be John Wooden Jr., to understand that you don't have to be Vince Lombardi to notice that (laughs) completely justified yeah all this other stuff is stupid and whether or not it's going to be the right choice again remains to be seen and that opening press conference was again it was like an episode of live in living color It was almost like it was a performance. It was pretty laughable at the time, but still, I mean, you're the owner. You have the right. This is not going how it's supposed to go. And a lot of that rides on your shoulders, too, as the owner. But if you want to make a change, you think that's better for your team, you think it's time, then do it. At some point, you're going to be staring straight at that general manager's position as well. You're thinking you're doing what's best for the team. I don't know how you can double back and go, well, you know, they really were setting him up for a failure. He'd already failed. He was failing. It wasn't working. Yeah, the same thing goes for Chris Ballard. That's not working either. Get a load of the offensive line. Get a load of the offense. I saw today where the Colts from Monday night, they're going back to, and I, again, this is me, and this is not me being crusty right now at all. I'm trying really hard not to be crusty, but I don't give a fat crap about the Baltimore Colts. And I know that there has been little to no change, uniform speaking in forever for the Colts, and I dig that. I do. But when they say they're going to go back to the 1950s Baltimore Colts uniforms, I go, who cares? (laughs) Who cares? All right, so you're going to slap a couple of horseshoe decals on the back of the helmet. Okay, great. I don't care anything about the Baltimore Colts because the people in Baltimore don't care too much about us. And if they do care about us here, people in Indy, it's not good. There's not a good feeling there. So I guess for the sake of a celebration, whatever. But this is not like Diner, if you remember the film Diner in the early 80s with Gutenberg and Bacon and... Oh, uh, Daniel Stern, I think, was in that, too. Uh, It was um, a a film set, what, the 1950s, and there was a lot of Baltimore Colts conversation going on back then. Who cares? If it happened with the Colts before 1984, I don't give a crap. Never have and never will. But I will say this, that going back to the 1950s in uniforms, it probably is what the offense is going to look like coming up on Monday night. I don't know. know. You look at it, too. The Steelers put up some points against the Bengals this past weekend. I guess you would consider this thing to be somewhat of a slog on Monday night. It gives you something fun to do. Go down there, go to Bullseye, go to Touchdown Town. Have a great Monday night coming off a holiday weekend. There's a ton going on. I will say this. I don't mind at all that the World Cup snuggles right into this time in November. It is like sensory overload with sports, and I dig it. I especially like getting up in the morning. I get up in the morning, and there's Saudi Arabia and Argentina's playing soccer. I get up at 5.30. They're already playing. But Man, I don't mind this. I could get used to this. And then really because you got the Maui invite going on, uh, you've got sports going all the way to like 2 in the morning. I was trying to think last night was, was – Live, considering live sports, live sports that we would be invested in, what time did that Saudi Arabia and Argentina match start this morning? Was it at 5? It started at 5 in the morning? There probably was not much time during a 24-hour period to where you couldn't turn on and see live-action sports. Because I'm assuming that that final Maui game probably went till about 2 in the morning. That is what they like to say in this business when they don't know what else to say. Very unique and very organic. Now do as I say. Very unique and very organic when you have only on a 24-hour clock two and a half, maybe three hours of time when there's no live action sports. I sound like Turtle Man right there, my bad. Shout out to Kentucky. Kentucky live action sports going on that to me is pretty cool pace is a winner last night over the orlando magic again i still get all this stuff regarding hey they're going to screw themselves out of a draft pick or whatever hey, let's go back to bad news bears and breaking training for a moment remember when they're playing in the astrodome they're playing the texas toros or the houston toros or whatever. Right, remember Kelly Leak, Kelly Leak, Jackie Earl Haley. Looks like he's about twenty-four years old out there, smoking heaters, like he was in the original. Remember the Astros came in the dugout; it was like an exhibition. I loved that too because those Houston Toros teams, all those so-called little league kids, look like they're about twenty-five years old, and every one of them had a big tobacco chaw in. It was like, let's see if we can stereotype Texas anymore here. Put a big tobacco chaw in all these kids. But now the Astros came in the dugout preparing for a game in the Astrodome, and William Devane, the father of Kelly Lee, came out there and started the chant, Let them play. Let them play. It was really odd and awkward. When you're an adult and you watch that again, you go, Oh, man, Devane's out there in his army green jacket here. It's weird. What's happening? But as a kid, man, it's pretty cool. And as a kid, it's pretty cool because the Astros roll in there with those awesome Astros uniforms and start that along with William Devane chant of let them play. And that's kind of how I look at the Pacers right now. Let them play. See what you got. See what you got before you dismiss it. And in terms of being upset because they're able to close out games or winning games, where the hell are we? Seriously. Where are we? The object, it is still the win. I would be hard-pressed. I would love this because sometimes sometimes you figure me as a clown. So, sometime if you ever see Tyrese Halliburton on the street, maybe ask him, you know, why are you winning so many games? And can you not lose some of these games? And see the type of reaction you get. They would think you're a full-fledged clown. Why? Because these guys are out there. They're highly competitive and they want to win. And you know what? They're not bad. They are not bad. And I know that their schedule has not been anything to write home about. While it's fun to watch, I get that, I do admire when they're able to close. And if you want to lean on the whole learning process, which everybody does, Part of this growth, this maturity, and this learning process is being able to close games. If some analytics nerd comes at you and says, oh, it's a bad deal that they're winning these games, man, just run. Run and tell me about it. The analytics nerds, that's what I want to hear. You know, at some point, while I understand where we're going with analytics, at some point, I just kind of dig watching the games and then it comes down to whoever wins or loses. I'm just scratching some algebraic formula up on the chalkboard I really don't care about. So that's a good thing. That is a gun. know Orlando's not any good. I know that the schedule so far has not been that great. It's going to get much tougher. So you may still get What you want further down the road? Because it is an incredibly small sample size. I mean, hell, you may get it coming up tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, the Timberwolves in town. Or as they say where I'm from in southern Indiana, the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are in town. Is Gobert healthy? Or as they say in southern Indiana, Gobert. Is Gobert healthy? Gobert healthy. Carl Anthony Towns. Anthony Edwards is a good player. That was a team that caught a great deal of steam down the stretch a year ago into the postseason. They are a fun team to watch. Uh, They are in town coming up tomorrow night. Should be a good matchup, but I do. I'm right with you. I thoroughly enjoy sitting at home and watching the Pacers. I like listening and watching Chris and Quinn and J.J. and Eddie do their thing. So it is all good. Last night, T.J. McConnell, T.J. McConnell going lefty and then running back on defense, staring at his left hand, was fantastic. That's one of the plays of the year right there. It was kind of a floating left hand in the lane. And, man, T.J. was feeling TJ feeling because he was knocking down threes. And T.J. also got the walk-off with J.J. at the half and then during the game. And he, I don't think he wants much of that. Like, T.J. McConnell is really good on this show. We love having T.J. McConnell on. He is one of the better interviews that we have. As far as TV interviews, I don't know if he wants much of that. It seemed like that JJ, J.J. learned from that, that first one, and in the final one, he had some rapid fire going because he was getting like one or two word answers. And I think that McConnell actually wanted others to come out there and join him because he really didn't want to do it alone. I'm going to tell you, that lefty in the lane and then running back on defense. And by the way, running, sprinting back on defense. I mean, not walking, not jogging, not do it like some of you clowns probably would. Walk or stand where you were. Staring at your left hand that just made that lefty look was outstanding. I need more of that. I need more of that. I need more of the hands, my hands. Was it Who was the wide receiver back in the day? And I don't even know if he's still with us or not. Freddie Mitchell of the Eagles, where he gave thanks to his hands once upon a time. And I think, professionally speaking, in football, that came back to haunt him. Was it Freddie Mitchell, the wide receiver from UCLA that was with the Eagles and uh, expressed a great deal of gratitude for his hands? Is he still with us? I'll feel bad if I bring this up if he isn't. He is still alive. Okay, good. Good. I'm pretty sure that's who that is. I want to give thanks to my hands. Be like me going, I want to give thanks to my tongue. (laughs) Don't laugh. I'm just joking. Give thanks to my hands. Greg Raistraw coming up at the bottom of the hour. You guys have asked for this test. Now, we'll see if I can do it. France. I didn't take French in high school. I took Spanish, and all I knew was the cuss words. I mean, look where I'm from. Uh, France and Australia still going on? Is it second half right now, or is that taped? Is that highlights? Is it over?
4: I think that might be live.
0: Is that live action right now? Uh, 2-1 La Francaise over Australia? I'm going to go into a lot of Australian things, I think, today, too. 2-1 2-1 right now in the 57th minute. I thought, though, somebody had asked me if I would bring Greg Graystraw on because France is obviously the defending World Cup champions. And if I would go through their starting 11 and pronounce it as if I was from Green County, and I think I need to do that. Because, <laughs> you know, I love where I'm from, but that's the fact. I know that one of their starting 11, their best player is that Mappy guy or Mabby, Mabipy. I'm going to go at it from GC angle and pronunciation with Greg coming up on the other side. Greg Graystraw, also the Colts post-game show host. We'll dive into that. And we also got the state football finals coming up on Friday and Saturday. Greg will also be a part of that. He's going to join us coming up here once we take this break and come back. Also, keep this in mind, top of the hour, Ben Brown, PFF, we'll go over some numbers from last week with Ben and more. I think Paul Cassaro is going to jump on here, the head coach at UND. They're out of the gate, unbeaten, ranked, and playing well as we knew they would. A lot of a local flavor. Paul Cassaro is going to jump in here. I want to get somebody on, at least in the 5 o'clock hour. I'm going to do a lot of calls here today, too. But I'm going to get somebody on to talk up to Pacers as well. Tony East is going to come on here. Good. Tony East. Tony East. And we'll talk about the Pacers, his thoughts, this team, their competition. But just the overall enjoyment. Enjoyment's a good thing. You guys needed some enjoyment. Honestly, what has been enjoyable the past couple of years sports-wise around here? What's been enjoyable? What's been long-lasting enjoyable? I know a lot of you are going to say, well, Purdue last year, and then... It was enjoyable until the Sweet 16, and then with St. Peter's, it wasn't. It's okay to enjoy that stuff. Uh, he's going to join us. Tony East coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. All right, tomorrow, as I mentioned, too, it's a Bud Light Blue Wednesday. Brothers in Broad Ripple, my advice is for you to haul ass down there tomorrow because we have seven pair. I don't know if we've ever had seven pair of tickets to give away. Seven pair of Monday night football tickets. If for nothing else, the Colts should give you the opportunity to watch them finally beating the Steelers. If you're so fortunate. If their offense as well as their uniforms aren't straight out of the 1950s. Hopefully that's the case. Seven pair tomorrow, Bud Light Blue Wednesday. Brothers in Broad Ripple. All right, 239-1070. Email address is jmv at 1075thefan.com. Social media-wise, I got you covered here. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you can watch, participate. I mean, you can be a jackass, too, and I think it's okay. Unless you go – if you go full-scale – If you go into the red of Jackassery, then somebody's going to pull the plug on you. But normally, you get a pretty lengthy leash on this. Uh, You can check it out inside the lounge via YouTube Live. That's the Ride with JMV. The stream, the app, HD Radio's got you as well. Facebook, Twitter, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Greg Gregstraw
5: is with us next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment.
1: The ride with JMV. One, is this or is this not the
3: XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football.
1: 93.5 and 107.5. The fan.
0: I guess, in honor of Australia being down 2 1 in the 66 minute of play in their first matchup with the defending FIFA World Cup champion France team, I'm going to give you the church. The church, and Australian band right there with Under the Milky Way. All right, we're back in here too. 239-1070. If you guys want to jump on board, would love to have you. Ben Brown of PFF is going to join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Tony E is going to talk some Pacers in the 5. Paul Casaro, UND, joins us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Seven pair of tickets To the Monday night football game with uh, my friends at Bud Light tomorrow. That's at Brothers and Broad Ripple. Seven pair. Bud Light Blue Wednesday. This reminder, too Pickup USA, I talk about it all the time, right? Pickup USA in Noblesville. They are having Turkey Ball Friday, November the 25th. Holy hell, I may have to do that too. 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. Turkey Ball. Members bring your visiting family in for free to come hoop and work that Thanksgiving dinner off. There is nothing better than pre and post Thanksgiving pickup hoopage. You know how much better you feel? Turkey Ball. That's coming up on Friday, 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. Let's uh, pick up USA up in Noblesville. Do that. That's a great idea. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline. Greg Rakestraw is with us now. All right, what do you think? Uh, somebody had asked me if I would go through the French team and pronounce their names as if I was from Greene County. <laughs> <laughs> That Mbappe can really play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Say what? That guy, Rude, man, he's got a sweet beard. I'm, telling you, I'm trying to look at their jerseys right now to see their lineup, but uh, I, I don't know enough of them, I guess, to, uh, and, to get
10: and it. I, I, I want to hear you roll through a uh, <laughs> did does champs as their head coach?
0: Kyle oh, oh, Leon Mbappe, he's, he's a good one, right? He's good. He is very good. Yes. Day Dayad upper in He's fantastic. I'm I'm okay, going uh, Usman
10: point, sadly. in what's that? I'm not even sure which one you're
0: talking about on that one. So, Usman Dembele. De- De- Dembele, yes, very I'm close. I'm in yeah. the ballpark not right Dembele. there. Dembele, <laughs> you did well. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun right there. But you know what? You're great at this, and you know this like the back of your hand. But you're you're from the uh, just as the same kind of deep woods Southern Indiana as I am. So you got over all this pronunciation stuff. Well done.
10: Now, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And and it's, you know, years of practice at doing it. So there is something to have done, like, you know, nine years of professional soccer. And I was actually the MC for the old oak and bucket luncheon today. The and they were reading off my bio as they were introducing me. And they said 20-plus years. And I go, oh, geez, I have to update that. I'm about to
0: hit 30 years <laughs> of doing this in the next year or two. Now, was that the, at the Columbia Club, per usual? Yep
10: that was at the Columbia club. And that's our buddy, Dan Thompson and Uh Pete Quinn. And Pete was the speaker and Mark deal was the speaker. And, uh, It was a fantastic get together. I know you've had the pleasure of Mm -hmm. being there in the past, and it was a good time today.
0: I think I did it one time, and they go, All right, none of this. Let's just give this to Rakestar all the rest of the way. I completely understood. I showed up in basketball shorts and everything, so I I completely expected that.
10: They they, they felt that you looked so out of place not wearing basketball shorts. (laughs) They thought, like, shirt and tie, that doesn't look right on JMB. Exactly. And and we know that Greg is in for a free lunch. All right.
0: some French guy with a header, and France is up three-one over Australia right now in the seventieth minute. Hey, honestly, you got a Black Friday matchup at one o'clock with USA, the Americans versus England. What has to happen to give a a more than reasonable opportunity to put Team USA in a position to move on? What has to happen frankly, for them?
10: Frankly, what's more important is what happens in the in the Wales and Iran match or that that day. Um, and and there, again, I, the U.S. can lose and still be okay in terms of getting out of the group stage. Um, Gold differential might play a part, at least in England, because they kind of ran it up on Iran in winning 6-2 in yesterday's match. Um, but really, I think it's just as important what happens between Wales and Iran as it is the United States and England. Um, if the US, if U.S. can pull a point from the England match and then beat Iran, they will be in fine shape, which is kind of the path they took 12 years ago, when they were in the same group as England, Slovenia, um, as well as then Algeria, they drew the first two matches, then beat Algeria on the dramatic Landon Donovan goal late, put them in the round of 16, some 12 years ago. So, they could do something like that again this time around too.
0: Greg, Greg on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline right now. France is scoring more than I did at the red Rose formal back in 1993 at Indiana state university with the AO pies Four consecutive goals. How unheard of is that in terms yeah. of this level of soccer?
10: It's not because France is the defending world cup champs. France is really good in Australia is probably one of the bottom four or five teams to qualify for the World Cup. Um, I would put us kind of mid-pack in terms of World Cup teams. Australia simply isn't there as a soccer nation. They're kind of even behind us in terms of adopting the sport and having a professional league and and kind of level of international play. So it's not unheard of. Again, England put up six yesterday against another one of the backmarker teams. Frankly, the France um, score right now with Australia, the England-Iran score yesterday makes what Saudi Arabia did to beat Argentina all that more remarkable. That is truly, and maybe the best tournament you can compare this to is the NCAA tournament. I liken, like, USA-Wales to, like, a 6-11, 7-10 game yesterday. Yeah. Saudi Arabia would be a 16-1. Beat Them beating Argentina, that is one of the – most remarkable results in the World Cup in a long time.
0: That's like a UM UMBC type of deal right there. Is that what that Correct. is? Yeah.
10: And the and the only other thing and I and I have even forgotten which team they beat at this point, but Cameroon in nineteen ninety scored a first round win that was like that. And I and I've i forgot forgotten at this point whom whom they beat. Oh, I
0: think it might have been yeah. Argentina because I think I think uh Alexi Lawless called them Cameron today. I don't know if he meant to do that or he didn't, but it was pretty funny. It sounded it, like it, me. It,
11: it, it, <laughs> Could be them too. So uh,
10: that Rutgers education, Alexi has, it's paying off for it. That's so. uh,
0: Greg Raystraw with us. You're going to be busy coming up on Friday and Saturday as well. What games are you calling in this high school football title?
10: So I have the nightcaps each of the next two, uh the next two nights. So I've got six uh, A with Center Grove and Carroll of Fort Wayne at, on. Uh, that's the Valley Sports Plus game because of the Pacers. It's the one high school state final not on Valley Sports Indiana. Got to go to Valley Sports Plus on that one, or you can. Watch it pay-per-view at ihsatv.org. Then I will have the Whiteland Warriors versus Valparaiso. So, John, nice. I am resuming a role that I had 20 years ago. I'm back to being the sports voice of Johnson County for two nights.
0: That's nice, though. It's it's really great what Whiteland has done this season. Yep. What a spectacular year.
10: And Darren Fisher is, is so well-liked. Uh, he he plays a prominent role in the Indiana Football Coaches Association, and he has been so helpful with other coaches across the state, there's going to be a lot of people rooting for Whiteland. Now, Valpo's, Bill Marshall's a great guy, and that's a really good program. And probably Valpo's played a slightly tougher schedule. The Mid State Conference is getting better at all sports. The Duneland Conference that Valpo's a part of is probably maybe the third or fourth best league in the entire state. Um, what strikes me about all these matchups, John, is that you get a lot of teams that like to run the football. And I don't think we're looking at many blowouts in, in kind of the way this shapes up. Um, you know, the schools that we thought were, were kind of favorites, New Pal got knocked off, Then Ron Colley, who beat them, got knocked off. Probably Shatard would be, I wouldn't say a prohibitive favorite, but a favorite against Lawrenceburg in 3A. But I think for the most part, we're looking at really competitive, close football games on Friday and Saturday.
0: You and I both agree, and we've known him for a while, and he's one of my all-time favorites. Is this the best coaching job of the career of Eric Moore at CG?
10: The only one I would put up there with is the first time he made the state championship game because that was in his second year. I think he was either 5-5 five and five or 6-5 and five in his first year back in 99, and then in 2000, you know, they beat mighty Ben Davis uh, kind of at their pinnacle because the next year James Banks would lead them to a state championship in 2001. In Center Grove found a way to beat them. And while they were playing in the mick at the time, they hadn't really established themselves the way they have now. But, yes, you know, for example, I can rattle off, you know, Taven Jackson, Tennessee, Caden Curry, Ohio State, uh, shot Michigan State, Carl Biddings, Louisville in terms of major college talent off of last year's team. Well, this year has Jalen Thomason going to Ohio, and that's it. I mean, th- th- this is just a really good high school football team that has gotten the benefit of they've, they've not lost in the last two or three years. Those kids always expect to find a way to win. But secondarily now, this is the fourth consecutive year they have made the 6A state championship game, which they joined you know, Warren Central back in the 5A days as the last school to have done that in the largest classification. What they also then have is they have played the full 17 weeks, as Eric has put it, the last four years, or as I would phrase it, they have gotten an additional four or five weeks of practice every year and that benefits those kids that were second and third stringers the last couple of years that are starters. Now, um, they're, they're reaping the benefits of that over the course of this last month and a half or so.
0: He is Greg Rakestraw via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, Carol has an incredible story and an incredible feat of knocking off previously unbeaten Hamilton Southeastern last Friday.
10: Yeah, both these teams are, are, are playing for a cause. And, and for for Carol, it is Owen Sheely, uh, who was set to be their starting quarterback this year, Died very suddenly of leukemia. Uh, that happened on June 7th. He really was only diagnosed a, a couple of days before he died. He, he kind of fell ill late in the school year, unsure as to what was happening. And by the time it was kind of diagnosed, it was sadly too late. Uh, and so they will carry his number 13 uh, jersey with them on the field. They have done that at every game this year. There is some amazing symmetry. You know, his first name is Owen. He wore number 13, and here they are 13-0. 13 and 0 going into the state championship game. Um, not many folks, probably myself included, gave them a chance of beating Hamilton Southeastern, and that they did in, in winning 21-15 on Friday night. Uh, they become the first Fort Wayne school in the brief 10-year history of 6A to play for a state championship. And if they're good enough to beat HSC, they got a shot against Center Grove come Friday night. Trojans are clearly the favorite, but, uh, again, it, it's not just – Numbers and X's and O's as to why Carroll has gotten to this point this year.
0: Do you have a most intriguing matchup in those two days at Lucas Oil Stadium?
10: You know, I I think almost like last year, the 1A game might be the best one. You know, because it's Lutheran and Adams Central again, and 1A was the bracket, just because of how it was laid out, where seemingly, you know, the 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 seating kind of held. It was the top four teams in the state that made it to the semi-state games with Lutheran beating North Decatur with. Uh, Adams Central, Besting, North Judson, San Pierre. Those two teams largely return intact. Lutheran's had some changes from last year. Um, But we've got rematches in both 1A and 2A. And that 1A game will be an awfully good game come Saturday afternoon.
0: I want to switch gears quickly before I let you go to college basketball. And not so much about what we have around here and the teams that people really like, but because you're down around the Louisville area. And obviously, I uh, used to watch a great deal of Cardinal basketball. They're down 13 at the half on their way to starting 0-5 in Maui, uh, there is a really a legitimate chance, I saw this from Jeff Goodman, they could start 0-10 on the season. Now, I know that everybody around there with Kenny Payne and knew yeah. that they were going to be bad, but is this a level of bad that is <laughs> detrimental for Kenny Payne and that staff?
10: Yes and no, and, and the reason being is that it is so much easier to quick fix. Stop here. You know the runway that Tom Crean was given, where it took until year four for them to make the NCAA tournament, and for the most part, people weren't griping or complaining. You know they kind of knew that was going to happen because of where that program was, and U of L, probably not to the depths of the Kelvin Sampson era, but not far from it, because of that constant specter of 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 NCAA probation was kind of hanging over their head. But now, I mean, you tell me. NIL money will not be uh, a problem in terms of getting players to come to UofL. You can dial up the transfer portal and get you five new starters if you feel you need it next year. Uh, you know, you're know you going to come play in front of a 20,000-seat arena. If you win a couple of games in a row, that place is going to be packed. You're playing in the ACC. And so it's, I think it's embarrassing But do I think it's like some sort of catastrophic blow they won't recover from? No. You can literally go out and get yourself a brand-new roster next year and be more competitive. That is the different landscape in college basketball and in all of college sports, but especially in basketball you've never had before.
0: Hey, Greg, did I use double overtime win in East Lansing this past Saturday make this bucket game more intriguing than, well, the direction in which it was going prior to?
10: Absolutely it did. Uh, it gives Indiana a chance. Indiana showed a pulse, and I know the Michigan State's not great. I get that, uh, but, but it gives IU some form of hope after having had seven consecutive losses. I'm really curious to see kind of emotionally where Purdue is in this game if they know that the Big Ten championship game is not in the cards for them, you know, because of the unique nature of that Iowa-Nebraska game being the outlier and being played on Friday. If Iowa has that wrapped up, does Purdue come out a little flat, just because that has been for the last six weeks? You know that is after the Minnesota win, it's been like, hey, Purdue might make the Big Ten championship game. And even if we think it's going to be ridiculously one-sided, whoever comes out of the West isn't going to compete with whoever comes out of the East. There is still that carrot, that nugget to be, hey, you're the first ones to have done this, and now the 12-year history of the Big Ten championship game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because of that, um, if if that can't happen. I'm curious if, if, if like the emotions kind of run wild for IU and they've got a legitimate chance of winning this team. So, so Purdue's clearly the best team. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win on Saturday. And I think what's at stake for Purdue is going to play a large part in that game come Saturday afternoon.
0: So, Greg Gregstrom with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How about all this Sirianni going you know, to the stands and then saying what he said and getting that for, for Frank Reich? All that stuff I understand. I just don't want people to get lost in the shuffle with all this conversation that what happened to Frank Reich was, in my opinion, completely and utterly justified. Take nothing away from that.
10: I agree with you completely. I have no problem with Nick being emotional because Frank is his guy and I got zero problem with him sticking up for his dude. At the same time, it was, it was time for Frank to go. So if, if Nick wants to puff his chest out about it, it does not bother me a bit because that's loyalty to someone that has been a mentor to you. But as all of us can tell you locally, it was time for a change here. So I am a big fan of Nick Sirianni, even though I disagree with, I guess his take on the situation, But I don't mind that being his emotional motivating factor for the way things played out on Sunday afternoon. I think
0: most of the uh, Colts fans around here will be rooting firmly against them in the postseason, which gives you you a little bit of something, I guess, once they reach the postseason in the NFC. Quickly, Uber Facts. Greg, your favorite song is most likely your favorite because it's associated with an emotional event in your life. Is that true with you?
10: I would assume so, yeah. I mean, now now you say that, I'm like, I'm not sure that I would – Be able to rattle off a favorite song, but I can give you like a genre and a time period, which is associated with
2: like. Just give me one. Give me one one as an example here.
0: Give me one and see if Uber Facts facts is accurate in their their tweet. Wow. Um, Okay, I'll start because I know I kind of sideswiped you here. Uh, Jerry Rafferty Baker Street is right now my favorite song of all time. I don't think it's associated with anything emotionally. No. No, other show. than me, the you know, first time I heard it was on a K-Tel 8-track. I don't know how much emotion I garner from that. Second favorite song right now is Ebony Eyes by the late Bob Welch. That was also a K-Tel. Maybe it's something with k and 8-tracks back in the day.
10: I so, yeah. I, I think if you hear it on an 8-track, there's this yeah. emotional tie-in Third? that you have. I mean, you know me, my music tastes tend to be, you know, late 80s, early 90s mm. hip-hop and sure. rap. Yeah. So. So being like apparently the only dude that can say French soccer names and enjoy rap being from Harrison County is just kind of the unique nature of my makeup.
0: Welcome to the boomtown. David and David's number three on my list right now from the 80s, from 1985, 1986.
10: I I think the Dave Ramsey show
0: is about to start.
10: Just like when I hear, (laughs) you know, when I hear, you know, welcome to the jungle, I think. or or, I'm sorry. The song that I most associate with the Jim Rome show. Is Iggy Pop? Yeah, I'm Iggy like, Pop. I'm just flipping around Sirius XM and I hear "Less for Life" and I keep waiting yeah. and waiting here live from Los Angeles, right? I, and I never hear it. I'm like disappointed half the so time.
0: Dave Ramsey starts with "Welcome to the Boomtown."
10: Well, not "Welcome to the Boomtown." He starts with Baker Street. He
0: oh, I didn't know that. I've
10: never. Uh-huh. Well, Absolutely. you know that's
0: that's either uh, economical or political, and you know I'm not listening to that.
10: Understood. Yes, but as as someone that uh, and I'm not espousing for either of them. Right, but as someone that helped bring that show to Indianapolis, you know, I hear that song. Trust me, it's muscle memory in my mind. <laughs>
0: All right, man, have a great call coming up on Friday and Saturday, and then we'll uh, talk to you. I'm sure coming up on Monday as well. You and the family have a great Thanksgiving.
10: You do the same. And as I heard you talking earlier, you enjoy not working on this Thanksgiving. Yeah. Enjoy the day.
0: Of it. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks, man. Yep. It's Greg Rakster on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Emotional song for you. Anything your favorite's emotional? James? Got nothing, huh? Not really. Not the yeah, there's no of. emotion. No emotion with me. It was just, hey, man, that was pretty cool. I like it. Top three right there. Quick one, we shall return. Ben Brown, top of the hour. We associate Ben Brown with Thomas Dolby. She blinded me with science. The data scientist and analyst from PFF. Ben's going to join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Paul Cassaro, bottom of the 4. Tony East talks Pacers in the 5 o'clock hour on 93.5 and one oh seven five. the fan.
8: the
1: ride with jmv
0: i got
6: nowhere else to go
1: 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
0: that greg graystraw podcast from a little bit earlier 107.5 the inside the lounge via youtube live good to see everybody there what are we talking about i need to join midstream here what do i need to bring up here inside the lounge via youtube live what do you guys got going L.L. Peaches. Now, do you have to change your name? Do you get, like, banned from the noon show? Is that why you have to change your name here, LL? Ben Brown's going to tell us how crappy the Colts are now. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. The numbers are going to express the results of bad performances by the Colts, and that's what Ben Brown is here to do. He's going to analyze those numbers via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now from PFF. He's the data scientist, the betting analyst. He's all that we need, and then some. It's Ben Brown. Hello, Ben. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, JMV. How are you doing? What are the numbers telling you about this Colts team now? Especially after last week against Philly. Oh, it was close right there, right there, and then as the Colts teams have done more times than not this season, they disappoint in the end.
11: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's very much the takeaway, right? I think that the the script for how they were going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles was very much there. I don't know if they earned that or if they, you know, kind of were fortunate to be in some of the right situations, especially you know in the in the in the parts of the third quarter where they easily could have put the game away. I would say, but. Yeah, they they, uh, they inevitably, I would say, kind of left too many doors open. And the Eagles are, you know, very much good enough to kind of, you know, break down those doors if they get enough opportunities. So it was, you know, uh, uh, I would say a little uh, frustrating to – you know, work through because it was very much a game that they probably should have won and ended up losing at the
0: end. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, no doubt. It's it's frustrating. I saw where Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator took the blame for Jalen hurts, basically going untouched to the end zone for what was the uh, game winner. That, that was something we had talked about, the, the defense, that had played better than decently the entire game and really better than decently and sometimes really well over the course of the season, but to allow, even though he's an elite-level player in Jalen Hurts, but to allow him to go untouched to the end zone on a QB draw where I think everybody in the stadium knew that he was going to be the guy in charge in running the football right there. Seemed a bit egregious, I think, to say the least, did it not?
11: yeah i mean and and that's the spot where they absolutely had to win him right up front they kind of i would say at least showed some semblance of being able to slow down other team you know other teams rushing the football this was i would say their second lowest you know grade from a pff perspective specifically to their run defense unit so it's it's disappointing no no real run gaps were i would say filled in crucial situations and i think that you know in order to get off the field keying in on Jalen Hurts in the running game had to be the most obvious solution. And, and to kind of miss that when, you know, you kind of absolutely needed it. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it's, 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 it's uh, maybe I would agree with Gus Bradley on the fact that that was kind of the letdown spot, but to go back to it, I still think there were enough opportunities for this offense to put it yeah. Enough out of reach to the point where they could have, you know, come home victorious even with the, the difficulties in the run defense.
0: Well, I mean, first down from the five after that Paris Campbell catch, and you have to settle for okay. three. And they had many a times a a short field to work with and either had to settle right. for three or actually missed an attempt at three. And against a good team like the Eagles, even on a bad day by the Eagles, a day in fact where the Colts defense was playing, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, better than decently here. Uh, that's just the rest recipe for disaster at the end because the Eagles just kind of hung around and then took it with Jalen Hurts on that final drive
11: right Right. and that's and that's got to leave that's the bitter taste in the mouth right because very much in the third quarter they were there they had the ball you know even on the fourth and ten when you know the Eagles went for it they kind of got the sack on uh, on Jalen Hurts and took it over at the 45 yard line and then you know get sacked right away move back move back and and then all of a sudden you're punching the football once again like it's to, to not get points with such short field positions or to set up a field goals off of big plays. Like you, you, you got to put some distance in between these quality teams. If you do want to, you know, be able to play from ahead and actually emerge victorious at the end, I would say.
0: Ben Brown is our data scientist from pro football focus with us every Tuesday at this time on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. We have been very disenchanted to say the least with this offense this year. And, uh, yeah, kind of wonder where it is as of right now. I kind of looked at the numbers, and you can back me up on this. Altogether, the numbers, I guess, didn't look as bad. I thought that they would be either at the bottom or near the bottom, but they're not quite there yet, are they, as far as where we are in the season offensively? No, they're
11: not. They're definitely not there yet. I think there was also, you know, um, know, some hope, I would say, in some ways, especially offensively for what they put forth. I think this was – uh, you know, Michael Pittman's probably like his third best receiving grade of the season. I think it was Matt Ryan's second best re- passing game of the season. So from that perspective, especially early on, they were they were moving the chains with, with a focal point on Michael Pittman. And then they kind of got ahead and, and, and you know, kind of tried to deliver to kind of continue to deliver the football to Jonathan Taylor. That was open early on, but they didn't really have, I would say, you know, kind of a counter punch in the second half once the Philadelphia Eagles were able to make some adjustments. Uh, that, that kind of I would say completely shut down you know everything that the Colts were successful doing in the first half and I think you know that's that would be you know in some ways the concern of um, you know having a you know a newer or newish you know head coach offensive coordinator all the way through is of those halftime adjustments and things where you need to kind of you know come up with a little bit of a different approach in the second half because you expect a little bit of a counter from uh you know an eagles defense that has been really good so far that was the spot where i feel like you know that that would be to me you know where they probably lost the game inevitably uh from my perspective
0: ben where's matt ryan in the hierarchy of quarterbacks in the nfl right now how's he look
11: Yeah, so. He is uh, from PFF's grading perspective, and I'll remove you know, some people here. I should have had this queried and ready to go for you. But uh, um, I would say he is – is...
0: you, you want me to fill time right here? I want me to sing a song no, or something?
11: So he, he's basically 30 – so this does include some other guys as well, but he's basically 31st in PFF passing grade when we factor in some – some backups that have been, you know, graded better than him. And I'm thinking yeah. of a guy like Bailey Zappi who, you know, um, you know, has like 99 or so dropbacks. Maybe that should be the cutoff, but he's, you know, right, right by basically the, you know, the lowest of the low from uh, you know, a starting quarterback perspective. He's in the Davis Mills category, the Carson Wentz category, um, you know, the Jared Goff category to a lesser extent. So it's, it's, it, it still hasn't been great. It has gotten better and there have definitely been flashes, but um, I, I I still don't think he he can really be considered you know, um I would say justified in what they actually you know um you know w- what it's not working out basically in the way that which they planned you know this offseason
0: obviously yeah this offense is terrible it is and and really about about the team you can't it's funny about this team funny strange whatever is that if something is going right you can count on what was going right previously to break down. And then, you know, it's just kind of this vicious cycle with this team. All right. The offensive line, which we thought had a really nice afternoon in Vegas, which clearly everybody has had because of the Vegas defense not being any good. How did it grade out for you when you look back at that matchup with Philly on Sunday, Ben?
11: Yeah, so it was, I would say, poor from a run blocking perspective, right? I think this was, um, you know, the third lowest run blocking grade, uh, as a unit so far here in 2022. And they, and they definitely have not been great, you know, overall I would say in that category. So to say that it's still the third worst is a, is a really low uh, performance for them Pass blocking perspective. I think they were, I would say pretty close to league average at this point. I know you can point to a couple, uh, you know, crucial sacks in certain situations, but uh, I think part of that was also the scheme and play calling in that particular situation, probably not needing, you know, play action, uh, in order to get a pass off in that situation, so it was I would say okay from a pass blocking perspective, but you know pretty poor to bad uh, run blocking wise here in week 11.
0: You get a bad combination where if it's mediocre to bad for pass protection, and then you have a a quarterback that's mediocre to bad with trying to get the ball 20 yards down the field. That's a really bad offensive combination right there. It seems.
11: Right, and then you're relying on maybe like a big chunk play, you know, in yeah. the running game, which was happening some last year, but it's, you know, it's right. been it's been tough sledding for Jonathan Taylor as well, right? And I think it, you know, in some ways it's, you know, teams can key in and focus on him because there's no real threat to Matt Ryan, you know, outside of some slant routes and everything else to Michael Pittman to really be able to, you know, move the ball effectively downfield, throwing or rushing the football, to be
0: honest. with so Ben Brown, all right, I'm gonna give you a minute, and I'm gonna talk. I want you to look up Bernard Ryman, the rookie. His numbers on the season, and especially as of late at left tackle for the Colts as a starter. I mean, I hate to put it to the kid like that, but I mean, he's a starter now. So we got to look at it and look at it honestly here. Ben Brown joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. He is the data scientist from PFF. All right. The, the rookie Bernard Ryman, since he's been the starter, maybe just go ahead and incorporate the entirety of his numbers at left tackle this season. How do they look compared to everybody else? Yeah, so let me... Do I, need, do I need to give you more time for that? <laughs> I, can't, I didn't find him on the first page.
11: He's not on the first five.
0: page. That's not good. So, yeah, yes.
11: so Bernard Raymond, basically. So out of, you know, this is... And this is a high... I have a high snap threshold. I should put a little bit more in this. Yeah, He is basically... Um, he's down there, boy. Um, he is 61st among tackles. So this is right tackle and left tackle. Um, you know, so far this season an overall offensive grade. So 61st, basically. Um, so I would say pretty, pretty far down, at least from like starting caliber tackle performance. Uh, he has been, uh, you know, I would say a little bit better from a run blocking perspective, but what he's offered in the passing game, you know, in, in pass blocking has been, uh, you know, very much a, a detriment, I would say overall to the Colts offense. I think he ranks, let's see here. Um, that's, uh, it's, yeah, it's 60, you know, 67, so there are some yeah. guys that obviously got hurt as well included in there, but he is uh, very much below average in, in pass blocking specifically, but also run blocking.
0: Yeah, so not good. A lot of room for improvement. And again, Ben Brown joins us. That is just, uh, I think, overall look at the offensive line, which um, had maybe a game against the Raiders and maybe a game, maybe half a game, a little bit of a game prior to that has been a – roundly a disappointing group no doubt about that this season all right let's turn the page to defense the defense looked good and then the defense gave up the game winner and then that's the lasting taste you have in your mouth about the way the defense played on sunday but but overall among those other teams in the nfl where is this colts defense as we enter this early week of thanksgiving play coming up on thursday
11: Yeah, I think, you know, I still think they're very much a respectable unit. They do, you know, weirdly enough, if if it's stable or not, but they still generate a lot of, Uh, you know turnover type situations right and that definitely feeds into them being able to get off the field so we have them as you know kind of the 15th best defense right now and overall what I would call like composite grade uh, or whatever have been I would say uh, you know pretty good from a passing perspective and also from a rushing perspective so the 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 idea that they kind of lost it for him at the end is you know that is how the game played out but to even be in that situation and even to be, you know, ahead a of a, an Eagles team that was very much thought of as, you know, maybe the best team or, you know, the second best team in the NFL here for a long time, you know, I would say was a, a kind of a testament to their defense and the ability to kind of get off the field and also make some big plays. So I think, you know, even though they rank 15th in our, um, in our, you know, ranking, I do think that they probably are, you know, at least on Sunday even actually played better than
0: that, I would say. What, where were the Eagles better at doing overall? Offensively or defensively. All right. So Seriani's squad's nine and one, no doubt about that. They had to squeak one out against a bad team, and the Colts here on Sunday. But where are they, both offensively and defensively, compared to the rest of the NFL with that nine and one mark?
11: Yeah, I mean it's it's very much been the rushing game, right? I think there's I don't think there's any team in the NFL that compares to them from, uh, you know, from, from either a pass block or a run blocking perspective, by far the best offensive line in football. And I think when you have, you know, a guy like Jalen hurts at quarterback that does have quite a bit of ability, you know, with his rushing game, it opens up a lot of things for, for an Eagles, you know, team that, uh, you know, also has some big playmakers, um, you know, at the skill positions as well. So we have them basically, you know, top five, uh, from a, from an overall offense perspective, I want to say they're um, a little bit lower in, 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 in drop back performance, but uh, do have the best, I would say, or, or second best, you know, run, running and rushing uh, grade so far here in 2022. So it's been, you know, a, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that Jalen Hurts does really well, you know, it, they're pressing the right buttons and they're putting him in good you know situations. And then, you know, they're kind of riding it out at the end of the games when they're playing from ahead. So to see them kind of come back, you know, in, in this particular matchup, I would say, um, you know, it, it, it's it, it's a situation where the Colts uh, very much had the best of it uh, and unfortunately came away empty-handed. All
0: right, give me those top five offenses right now, including, as you mentioned, the Eagles among those top five teams. What are the top five offenses going into Week 12?
11: Yep, so from an EPA perspective, we have the Chiefs, we have the Miami Dolphins, we have the Buffalo Bills, uh, we have the Cincinnati Bengals and we have the Philadelphia Eagles top 5 so the four the four yeah. the four in the AFC and then uh you, you know the Eagles down there at 5 as well
0: the so. worst record among those teams i believe would be the Bengals at 6 and 4 yep. right now I'm trying yep. to climb out of a uh, a slow start to to say the least. All right. Well, Ben Brown, who is the uh, data scientist of the NFL for Pro Football Focus, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Before I let you go, anything stand out? Any other numbers that I didn't ask you about, either regarding the Colts or as we're going now into week number 12 of the NFL? Anything that interests you? that you saw.
11: i mean i don't really want to talk about the vikings this time i do think michael Pittman had a really good game and i think that you know the fact that he's only getting seven targets or whatever you know it is kind of an indictment on the offense and i think that you know if they kind of allow things to flow through him which they did on the first drive that's when they're most successful and that's when i think they're actually capable of being you know in, anywhere close to the the upper class of offensive elite teams you know, so far this season, but if they want to continue to, you know, kind of try to establish a run, you know, move the chains from, uh, you know, a rushing perspective when they don't have the offensive line to do it, like they're going to, they're going to inevitably, you know, end up losing games and and maybe it's, you know, the final result is because the defense couldn't get off the field, but uh, the defense allowed them to be there for, you know, three, three and a half quarters and really just needed probably one more score in order to, you know, emerge victorious. And that didn't happen. And I think that, you know, the reason for that is, uh, they need to feature Michael Pittman more because you know Alex Pierce as well has kind of disappeared quite a bit, and they really don't have
0: the. Well, when they do, when they do the crossing routes, uh, they can get the ball, but the, the problem is, I mean, Pierce they took a couple of shots down the field, and uh, there's a combination of things, but it all starts with the lack of arm strength that Matt Ryan right. has at this point in his career. He just can't get it down
11: there. Right. 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 Yeah. And it, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs, uh, but it's, you know, it's one of those things. But I do think, you know, there are, there are blueprints to potentially getting out of this, you know, for, from a longer term perspective for the Indianapolis Colts. And I think, you know, looking at some of the upper echelon teams and understanding how they're, you know, successful is, you know, I, I would say very much, uh, you know, the approach that the Colts need to take long-term now that they've kind of figured out this, this retreat, free agent type quarterback uh year in and year out just isn't going to work for them.
0: Yeah, that's, that's true. And uh, here's the thing. I mean, you, you, your left tackle has been that large of a detriment. You basically have no chance. Their tight ends have been non-existent this season for the most part. That just kind of adds to it. This, this offense has been an absolute disaster. No more, no matter what the numbers say, it just, it has this year right. been a disaster right. from what everybody thought, it would give compared to the output, the production that we have seen. Right. I mean, there's, there's no two
11: ways about it. You definitely hit the nail on the head because it is, you know, very much it, 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 as much as people don't want to say, if you don't have pass blocking, especially with, you know, an immobile quarterback, like you're not going to win many football games. So that's just the truth of the matter of where we're at with the current, you know, NFL and how it's, and how it's kind of, uh, you know, progressing, I would say.
0: And your Vikings did super suck against Dallas on Sunday. What the hell happened there? I
11: mean, Go going back to it, I mean, Christian Darasa was uh, definitely a little banged up going into the game or whatever uh, allowed the first you know uh, the first sack fumble to like, a Uh-oh, person. oh i, I uh, can't use I of, can't
0: use him any longer does, does that allow me not to be able to use him as a hey, this is what the Colts could have done here I mean, if you're comparing him to ketie. QT-
11: you know, K. T. Pay. I think it's still probably a valid comparison because I mean, and then he was out, right? And then he didn't play, and then, and then the yeah. Well, I mean, l- listen, it, it is, it is, awesome.
0: it has been revisionist history for me too, because right, right. you know we whined and cried about pass rushers too, so that's just something right. we do is go back and kind of rewrite history a little bit with some of these comparisons. But that's just one that that I have been using, but not seriously. That that was like a a Tommy Kramer led, less Steckle coached offense mm-hmm. that I saw. Right. on Sunday from the Vikings there.
8: It was,
11: it was uh, you, you know, the, the Vikings are very top-heavy, and I think that, you know, they were getting the performance from Christian Derrissaw, best best tackle in the NFL graded from a PFF perspective so far, but when he's out, you know, the, the fact that Micah Parsons can kind of eat and live in the backfield, and it's 3rd and 15 every single drive, like, y- you're not going to score many points, and I think that, you know, the, 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 the matchup specifically with the Cowboys and Vikings very much was not in the favor of, you know, the Vikings, I do think that the Cowboys kind of have a legitimate shutdown cornerback who can go and, and play man coverage against some of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And I think we saw, you know, Trayvon Diggs do that in some ways against Justin Jefferson. And, and we didn't see too much of a counterpunch from the Vikings because they didn't have any answer for the pass rush going back to it. Right. Cause no Darius, saw no everything else, but it was, you know, a situation where they were very overmatched that day. Uh, hopefully they can you know, provide a little bit of uh, it, you know some comeuppance or something else where they can kind of you know figure some things out. Kevin O'Connell you know can learn from it and maybe they can kind of get into that you know upper tier of the NFC. But uh, right now, I very much think it's kind of you know the Cowboys and the 49ers, and then uh, it, it may be a step below the Eagles as well as far as you know who I would consider is probably going to get out of the NFC right now.
0: Ben Brown of PFF every single Tuesday right here with the, well, more than likely in terms of the Colts, ugly numbers, especially offensively with us. The Andy Moore automotive group hotline. What's the temperature in Minnesota right now where you are?
11: It's cold. It's cold. It's been like 20, 25 years. I guess I haven't, to be honest with you, I haven't even stepped outside yet today. I'm trying to get every everything uh everything through uh for Thanksgiving. Are you working like, from a basement? Do you work people? from your basement? Oh, ba- I, I work from my mom's basement. Uh, on <laughs> Texas. You
0: know, I'm in my own basement, <laughs> yeah. So. I love it. We uh, did the uh, Colts pregame show outside on Sunday morning, and it was about 15. That was right. one of the coldest pregame shows that I've I've been a part of, especially in the month of November. I wasn't really expecting it then, so there right. it was
11: it came it came early and often, but that is my kind of temperature. I would be out, you know, ice skating or
0: something if I could in those. I don't know how you guys in Minnesota do it, it, man. I don't. I don't know it's how in you our do blood, it. Blood, I guess it's in our blood. So yeah. All right, and my friend, I appreciate it. You and your family have a fantastic Thanksgiving. We'll talk at you next Tuesday.
11: Yeah, likewise. Have a great
0: Thanksgiving. Thanks for having me on. Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, Scott McClellan, shout out to you. Turkey Ball Friday. Pick up USA Indy. I just retweeted that. If any of you out there, I mean, even if you really suck, and most of you probably do, or let me better phrase that, if you suck worse than me, which most of you surely do, uh, this is a great place to go and play some pickup hoop coming up on Friday because we're all going to get fat-er, in my case. Er, fat Like, I'm going to go out tonight. <laughs> I'm going to make a preemptive strike a couple of days prior and play tonight. But if you struggle with finding a spot, turkey ball, Friday morning beginning at 10 a.m. at Pickup USA Fitness in Noblesville. And I just retweeted it. So, yeah, go up there and play. A good workout in Black Friday. Get up there if you want. Maybe watch England and the Americans play soccer after one o'clock or so. It is a feel good, and that's a great place, too. I mean, a fantastic place. Been there, shot NBA three pointers. It's like a layup to me, but it's pretty awesome. So work that out. Turkey Ball Pickup USA Fitness, or Pickup USA Indy, I should say. Pickup USA Indy. That is the uh, Twitter account right in front of my face, at Pickup USA Fitness. It's Pickup USA Indy on Twitter. Uh, They don't follow me. I don't follow them. I'm following you guys now, though. Great place to go. It's been a struggle to find pickup action for you basketball players out there, so do it. Thank you, Scott, for that. Appreciate it. Jeremiah says, great info from Ben Brown about the Cowboys. Jeremiah's a big Cowboys fan. Jimmy Johnson says, another armpit knucklehead. (laughs) I'm telling you. The armpit. The armpit of Indiana, man. Let me tell you. That's funny. That's true. Incredibly funny and very true. Which is really good. JMV, I thought Nick Sariani was awfully proud of that one point win versus a mediocre at best team. He was. He was standing up for his friend, his confidant. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't change what took place, doesn't change why it needed to be done. And what you can argue all day long if Jeff Saturday is the guy, argue that, debate that. But there is no debate that something needed to be done. After that New England game, you couldn't move forward. Again, debate all you want if they made the right hire or if they're going to make the right hire after the season. But there is no debate about that being necessary. No matter what Nick Sirianni says or anybody in the NFL world that is incredibly butthurt, as they all have been the past couple of weeks, you can question why the higher? Do that, but the fact, the fact remains that it needed to be done. Paul Casaro is the head coach of UIndy. They're ranked and unbeaten on the season. Paul's going to join us coming up on the other side. We'll do uh, Tony East coming up in the five o'clock hour too. We're going to talk some Pacers. Pacers a winner last night. They're a lot better than anybody thought they were going to be. Is that in large part versus the competition, or is this legit? I don't really care. They're playing who's on their schedule, and they're winning against who's on their schedule. And I think they're learning a lot of things along the way. You know, one of those things that they've learned? One of the things that you can honestly see them learn right here before us. If you don't know what that is, I'll tell you what that is
5: coming up next.
1: The Ride with JMV. Fat, drunk,
6: and stupid is no way to go through life, son.
1: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
6: Hey, welcome back.
0: Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Good to see you guys in there. L. am learning about L.L. Peaches and why he is called as such. Uh, Jennifer is in there. Got the uh, garden variety of friends and listeners and participants of this show inside the lounge via YouTube Live. The stream, the app also works. You got HD radio if you have that in your car. Otherwise, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. I got time for your calls coming up here, too. If you guys want to jump on, it is 239-1070. Got Team USA back at it. FIFA World Cup. A 1-1 draw. Well, they say level 1-1. They were level at 1-1 one, one yesterday with Wales. I was actually looking up hot actresses from Wales. I wondered if Liz Hurley, Liz Hurley, by the way. Liz Hurley is from England, not from Wales. You know who is? The wife, longtime wife of Michael Douglas, Catherine Zeta-Jones, I believe is from Wales. And then the guy that scored yesterday... They don't want to say tie. The the leveling goal on a penalty kick, his last name is Bale, Christian Bale. The actor is also from Wales. Uh, But coming up on Friday, it's a 1 o'clock start against England. That should be fun. Black Friday, USA, England, FIFA World Cup. The defending champion, France. 4-1 4-1 over Australia earlier today. The big deal was Saudi Arabia knocking off Argentina, which was early this morning, and people are, I guess, soccer-wise, and I wouldn't know, I'm just passing along this this comparison, that it is comparable in the soccer world, and especially for Saudi Arabia, to the Miracle on Ice hockey game of 1980, back in February of 1980, Team USA versus Russia. I don't know. That's just what they're saying. Andy Moore, Automotive Group, hotline. He's the head coach of the Greyhounds of UND. Off to a blazing start. Nationally ranked in D two. He is Paul Casaro with us. How you doing, Coach? I'm good, John. How are you? I'm just going to go ahead and and put the proper respect of these results so far in this early season where they need to be, all on the shoulders of Michael Burris. <laughs> <laughs> you already know it. You already know it. He gets all the credit. <laughs> all credit going to no. Seriously the, the, though, congratulations. The, the brain trust. That's what we call. Yeah, yeah, I know that that everybody and especially coaches, you're probably going to tell me when I say this. Though it's early season, a long way to go. But man, you can't have a great season. Uh, oftentimes most of a a great season comes with an early season start i mean it can go haywire but most of the time you start off well in an early season that kind of paints a portrait for you a blueprint if you will to move forward on the rest of the year and you guys have uh honestly gotten off to a fantastic start where besides michael burris do you look at and go wow this has really worked out well so far
12: you know i think we've had a nice mix of um, our returners and our newcomers blending together. Our returners have done a great job leading by example. Um, you know the way they finished last year. They they, they came into this under came into the season understanding what it takes to win and how to go about it in our program. And then we brought in some talent, really talented guys to complement what we were bringing back. And they needed to learn the way UIndy does things. Well, our leaders, our returners have done a great job being leaders. And our newcomers have been humble enough to embrace the way we do things. And their talents have shown because of that. And it's just been a really nice mix.
0: So Paul the head coach of U-Indy, with us. Offensively, how have you been? I know sometimes it's tough to to really get off to a good start offensively. But from some of the box scores I've seen, you guys have had in-game some significant high-level runs offensively. It looks like you're off to a good start in that category. What say you?
12: But we are, you know we're taking care of the basketball, but really it starts with our defense. You know, uh, we're actually number six in the country in in, in in opponent field goal percentage right now, like we're something like only giving up like thirty three percent from the field. So with that, um, it spark- it ignites our offense because you know if uh, if the ball keeps going through the net, it's hard to get out and transition. but by getting stops, getting rebounds, you know, getting turnovers, we're pretty long, we're pretty athletic. So it allows us to get out and run and get some easy buckets, and we're pretty efficient when we're playing with pace.
0: Yeah, last time you were on, we were talking about those exhibition games with D1 teams, and you have experience in doing this. And back on the 15th, it was down in Bowling Green, Kentucky, against Western Kentucky. What did you learn overall about your team from that game?
12: They're going to fight for 40 minutes. I mean, and, and you know, for you know, if you look at, you know, you try to break things down, and, um you know that team had nba length they had seven five you know two guys at six eight start they had in an indiana and a kentucky transfer coming off the bench so that tells you how good they are yeah. but i mean you know we fought for 40 minutes gave them everything they wanted um you know at, at the at the four minute media in the first half it was 27 27 they went on a run at the end of the first half they're up 38 27 um at halftime well then at the four-minute media in the second half, it's sixty-two to fifty, so they only beat us by one at that point. So for the first sixteen minutes of each half, we played them even essentially, and you know their their, their length uh, made it tough for us to get some buckets um, in the last four minutes of each half. I mean, that was probably the only team we'll play, play this year play this year that. Um, is bigger than us. Well, we played a team this past Saturday in Grand Valley that matched us in terms of size, but in terms of legitimately being bigger, uh, that was the probably the one team we'll face. But we fought for 40 minutes, and for you know 32 of the 40 minutes, you know we played them even.
0: So Paul Casaro, the head coach of UND, nationally ranked, starting out this season and spending a lot of time recently on the road. You get to know a little bit more about your group when you spend as much time as you guys are spending right now, and really I think going all the way right. Through the 28th to the beginning of December with road games?
12: Yep, five straight. If you count our exhibition, we had, you know, we have our.
0: Uh, Who scheduled that home, for but, you? Who do we blame for that?
12: Hey, hey that, was, that was Burris. He's our scheduling <laughs> guy. So, you know, we give him a lot of credit. We also got to, you know, we got to sit down and have a talk with him. But,
0: uh, you <laughs> I wonder if he ever had five straight on the road at Alney. I bet. You no, know, not,
12: he, not. he probably scheduled all home games. He's trying to, <laughs> he's trying to put me through the ringer. But, uh, you know, we, we played on Sunday. At Grand Valley, you know, we we tip off against Northwood here in a few hours. So then, you know, we go to Quincy and Truman, so five straight on the road. Um, You know, it is a challenge, you know, but I I love the time we get to spend with our guys, you know, uh, get to know them better. You know, after we got a huge win on Sunday, Jarvis Walker, on our team, the transfer from Purdue Fort Wayne. He's from the Grand Rapids area. So his family hosted us uh, for our post-game meal over their house. They made some homemade barbecue, rib tips, and baked nice. beans. It was delicious. So, I mean, that kind of stuff is cool. And it's team-building stuff. And, you know, when you're winning, which we've been fortunate enough to do for the most part, aside from Western Kentucky, it makes it even that much more enjoyable.
0: You tip from Midland, Michigan tonight versus Northwood at 7 o'clock. A little bit about what you're going to face this evening.
12: You yeah, they can really drive the basketball. They're a driving team, very athletic, scrappy. Um, you know, and, and we're going to have to defend the bounce to be able to beat these guys. Uh, conversely, I think we're going to have to uh, try to feed it into their bigs. Their, their guards are really scrappy and are going to make it tough for us to score on the perimeter. Uh, but I, I think our big fella, Kendrick, uh, can really get it going. So hopefully he can have a big night for us.
0: Yeah, then you're at Quincy Saturday on Monday on the road at Truman. Then finally, Burris get you back at home. To start December. Thanks a lot, Burris. Hallelujah. Getting you back home. Yeah,
12: we're we're going to have to reevaluate his job description you know, <laughs> here pretty
0: soon. No doubt about that. But not, the, the good thing about it is you, you come clean, as you have so far, come clean through this particular five-gamer on the road. I know that it wasn't in, in Western Kentucky, but I'll leave that to the side because it was an exhibition. But if you come clean in these games, you got to feel really good about yourself going into December
12: yeah yeah that, that's that's correct, you know, but we just gotta take it one game at a time. you know, tonight's northwood. Uh, that's our entire focus. We gotta come out ready to go. winning uh winning on the road is hard, no matter where you're playing or who you're playing. So we need to be really focused and and, and have a great start to tonight's game and focus on these forty minutes and then uh, tomorrow, you know wake up and focus on the next game. So just continuing to take it one game at a time.,
0: uh, you know uh your former fellas didn't get it down on the road, unfortunately. Uh, Down at East Central this past Friday. Your Ron Cowley squad. Yeah. Oh, great, great year. year. Yeah, I completely agree. And that was, listen, East Central's tough. That was going to be tough for them, and they knew that going in. But,
12: uh... you know, Coach Q Coach Q was a teammate of mine uh, on the football team at UND. And, you know, it was his first year to make semi-state in year one. He's going to do a really good job there.
0: Yeah, well, and there's no doubt that that, that particular team, and I know that they, they always have expectations. When you put on that, that uniform over there, the expectation's just going to follow you around. But I, there's no doubt he did a fantastic job in year number one there. No question. Paul Cassaro, the UND head coach. Later on tonight, Northwood on the road at Midland, Michigan. And uh, thank you, assistant coach Mike Burris has five consecutive on the road for him. Saturday at Quincy, Monday at Truman, and then back home on the 1st of December versus William Jewell. Paul Cassaro on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. All right, tell Burris I said hello and uh, yeah, go get him later on tonight. Stay clean on the road. We'll catch you back here.
12: Hey, thanks for having me on. Good talking to
0: you. You got it. Paul Cassaro on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Good dude. Really good dude. That's a good basketball team. Top 20 ranked out of the gate here. Now, once they get back, that's a Thursday, December the 1st, and a Saturday, I believe it to be, within the uh, GLVC and Rockhurst on Saturday down at uh, Nickerson Hall. It'll be worth the time and the effort. That is good hooping. And the best part about it is you're going to recognize nearly everybody. If you paid attention whatsoever to high school basketball around here the past couple of years, you're going to recognize nearly everybody on that team. That's cool. Quick break, and we'll come back. I got time for your calls if you so desire. Two three nine. 1070 is the number. We can jump back to the Colts. Your thoughts on Sirianni and his sideline situation on Sunday. I'll uh, give you mine again if you missed it. Pacers over the magic last night. Pacers tomorrow night versus Minnesota right here. We'll get to the Pacers as well with Tony East coming up after 5 o'clock. The rest of the NFL, any World Cup you want to drop in, college football, the bucket game coming up on Saturday. IU and Purdue, big one for Purdue. We'll find out with Iowa on Friday. But a big one for Purdue coming up on Saturday, certainly. And IU coming off a double overtime win on the road at Michigan State this past Saturday. And college hoop as well. Rob Blackman joins us coming up tomorrow. We'll talk bucket. And the Boilers on the road in Portland, Oregon. They were leaving for a flight today. Rob's going to join us coming up on the show tomorrow. And where you can join me, where you can join me tomorrow, to maybe win one of seven pair of Steelers Colts tickets for that Monday Nighter, One of seven pair will be given away. Courtesy of Bud Light on a blue Wednesday tomorrow at Brothers in Broad Ripple. Seven pair to give away.
5: Ninety-three five one zero seven five. 5 the fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
1: The Ride with JMV. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this and
0: totally redeem yourself.
1: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: This is the Australian band Silverchair of the 90s. BK, the shop in Broad Ripple and Carmel right there, the great vintage T-shirt provider says, weren't you supposed to be at Parks Place Pub today? Well, in fact, I was the only one in this building that thought I was supposed to be there. <laughs> that was all me. It was nobody else but me. And I don't know why. I don't know if I dreamt it. I don't know if I was on drugs. Was I on drugs yesterday? I don't think I was on drugs yesterday. But I'm the only one in this building that thought that I was supposed to be there today. Actually, I think I'm the only one anywhere except for those of you, BK, like you, that heard me talking about it yesterday. So there was a high level of jackassery in which I portrayed in telling you that I was going to be there. In fact, we'll be there a week from Thursday. That is our next Larcity Bourbon Locks, and Luna Azul tequila shots. You know, sometimes I've got to call it out when it happens. There was a high level of jackassery involving me yesterday. But my bad. I hate it when I do that. Seriously, I'm the only one. Michelle Kiefer called me and I'm on the way. She goes, hey, you know you're not supposed to be there today. What? (laughs) Well, here I am. Hey, again, shout out to Mike and our friends at Smoking Barrel, too. I am going over there and getting some Thanksgiving smoked turkey and brisket and green beans, baby. Got to eat something green. Remember, new mothers need to eat something green every day. We'll see you tomorrow night. Anybody know this in the lounge? The quote is from what classic film? Remember, new mothers need to eat something green every day. We'll see you again tomorrow night. Come on. Yeah, no doubt my smoking barrel is tasty goodness. I was asking the day, how much you want to fly, I don't know, maybe four or five. Or maybe just me. (laughs) Maybe just me. I forgot banana pudding, too, baby. Shout out to banana pudding. Uh, smoking barrels off of German church. I'm going to go over there and get my uh, Thanksgiving meal tomorrow. Rex Hampton writes this with the holiday week upon us. Championship Friday and Saturday. Bob Lovell going to be on. I got to get Bob on tomorrow then, Rex, because, yeah, we're, we're crunching five into three this week because I'm off both Thursday and Friday. I cannot believe this is the first time I've had, well, it's the first time I've had a day off since August. It is the first time that I've had, I'll go from, and I'm listen, I'm not working a jackhammer. It's not that big of a deal, so don't get me wrong. Now, I've changed tires. I've done what is hard work before, and as they say where I'm from, this ain't it. It's enjoyable. It's gratifying, and I dig it, but... Yeah, I'm not working hard like a lot of you out there are working hard. But I, I have not had – I'm going to be off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I come back on Monday. I haven't had four consecutive days off in four years. Seriously, four years. I haven't been on vacation since pre-pandemic. Maybe not four. Maybe I went in 18. I don't think I went in 18. At the very least, three years. Four consecutive days. It's going to be weird, too. So I'm going to have to call in the Home and Garden Show on Saturday just to make sure I don't lose it. Saturday morning with Pat and Denny. Pat and Denny and Allison and uh, Terry Stacey, by the way, downstairs on WIBC. Rick is in at 239-1070. Hello, Rick. How are you? Hi,
3: J&B. I just wanted to give you some major props with regards to Miles Turner. Thank you. It's taken me a little bit of time to
10: come around completely on him, but I think so much of it is this new offense and the talent that's around him. Uh, Halliburton leading the league in assists and getting the ball down low to him, I think is great. And uh, I'll tell you what, if they get rid of Turner – I would be very disappointed. It's been years since I've gone to a Pacer game, and we're planning on going this Wednesday to go see the Timberwolves. And I haven't been excited about the Pacers since 2000 when they went to the NBA Finals. So I just hope that Mr. Pritchard doesn't tinker with the chemistry of the team
0: rick thank you for the call i appreciate the props too and miles evolution this season i know we went for 10 and 5 last night and i did a jackassery coming at me from villain of waiver or whatever the guy's name is and i like him i'm not mad at him but he just gives me crap and i'm thinking i went with the and i hate I hate the the analytics most of the time, and especially the plus-minus really, really sucks. But I used it last night because Miles was plus 18 when he was on the floor. Normally, I would say, all right, nerds, go ahead and do what you do, self-gratify, and then come back after you eyeball the game. But last night, I kind of used it. I said, hey, well, this is it. But seriously, it has been Tyrese Halliburton. That's what you've seen. As I've mentioned over and over again, it has been an elite-level, willing passer. And then those that just look at a box score and jack around that way, then they wouldn't know. And don't be fooled by those that don't watch and try to get over as if they're watching. There are a lot of people out there that don't watch and, oh, I read a box score. (laughs) Don't be fooled by that. But it is all Halliburton for miles. Didn't see it a lot last night. And the high ball, I thought, I thought last night Orlando, with um with the way that that they did things, I thought that they handled the high ball better than they did, certainly in the first matchup. Because oftentimes, you know, Miles didn't get it uh when he went to run for the rim after that high ball screen was set. But most of the time this year you have seen that offensively from him because of the presence of an elite level willing passer and that's what Halliburton is and that's what he's brought uh, Mike's up next at 239 1070 hello Mike I remember Teresa
12: me and angel macho Mike sends you and Blake and Lenny and the missus thank you and God bless Kyle and Lu- and Morgan and little Luca for her first Thanksgiving and
0: well, you got to say James too because James is in for Kyle today we got to bless, James. bless James shout out to Angel there you go you got that, buddy. She wiggled her ears. There you go. Mike? God bless
12: you and take care and a turkey YMCA and all the listeners too. <laughs> Memory Teresa, me, and Angel. God bless you and yours you and your it, family. Buddy. And happy Thanksgiving.
0: You got it. Macho Mike. Happy Thanksgiving to you. My turkey will be smoked. Shout out to the smoked turkey. Uh, Barry, close this out. I want to get you on here before the top of the hour. Don't get lost in the shuffle. We'll bring it.
2: What's up, BTS,
3: BTR? This Barry. Uh, yeah.
0: How you doing, BTR? Good to hear from you.
3: Yeah, it's been a long time. I've been in Pennsylvania since October 24th.
0: Why Why is that? Are you working at the Hershey factory over there? That was supposed to be kind of a joke, but it wasn't.
3: i working at the Merck
6: pharmaceutical plant. But ah, well, I'm you're really making big the money
0: North. then, man. You're making big money, uh, BTR. Get on it. Stay on it. No, 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 no. <laughs> You got any free? You hand out any freebies? I'm just joking.
2: No. <laughs> go ahead go ahead heading, heading back west tomorrow uh, i just want to wish you and be and yours okay a great thanksgiving weekend thank you buddy i appreciate you I love you
0: i love the we, we're spreading the love on this tuesday we we'll have spread the love some more hey, let's put down the jackassery for a moment and spread the love some more Not think about what's going on in the rest of the world that pisses you off and that you're tired of or just wanting to get up in the morning and immediately yell about something. Let's let's spread the love. Tony East on the other side. Pacers, magic last night. Pacers, Timberwolves coming up tomorrow night. Uh, This surprising start by the Pacers in the words of Tony East.
5: He joins us next.
1: The Ride with JMV.
5: Hey, my
2: buddy, Swanson. Move steam ahead. Over there. I want to go over there.
1: i move over, Swanson. I'm driving. 93.5 and 107.5.
0: The Fan. And tomorrow I've got seven pair. Steelers Colts tickets for Monday night to give away. I'd love to see you out in Broad Ripple tomorrow. Brothers in Broad Ripple, I know that tomorrow night, historically speaking, for anybody that has gone to college, it is uh, high school hookup Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, because that's when everybody comes home, right, and everybody goes out on a Wednesday night to celebrate, and then inevitably, when you come back home, you run into maybe an old high school flame, an acquaintance, and... um Maybe some he and, and she and takes place. That's high school hookup Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. So you get your pregame on with us tomorrow if you want to. What time is that Pacer game tomorrow night, too, James? Because it may. 7
8: p.m. is a tip off.
0: Now, do we know? Are we still doing Colts Happy Hour on a Friday, or does Colts Happy Hour jump to Wednesday? I I bet it stays on Friday. I think it stays stays on Friday. Okay, so I'll make sure of that. I want to make sure you have full time coming up tomorrow. But seven pair of Steelers Colts tickets for Monday night to give away, brothers. Yeah, pregame that bad boy in Broad Ripple with us coming up beginning at 3 tomorrow. Greg, Greg a little bit earlier updated us on basically everything, whether it was high school football in the finals coming up on Friday and Saturday or the FIFA World Cup in terms of the Americans in England on Black Friday at 1 o'clock. Does Wayne Rooney still play for England? He was very bald for a while. And then I think he got hair like me. He regrew his hair. I just don't know if he went the path in which I regrew mine. England and the Americans coming up on Friday. We talked about that, talked about the Colts, but right now a little Pacers activity. And joining us now from WTHR.com, from Forbes, uh, locked on Pacers. He does nearly everything regarding the Pacers. Our friend Tony East, again with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Happy holidays to you, Tony. Thanks for joining us.
4: Thanks for having me, JMV. Glad to be following up the uh, uh, high school hookup intro we got going today.
0: Do you believe? Do you believe in the high school hookup Wednesday night?
4: <laughs> I definitely went out on the Wednesday nights coming out of
0: college. Yes. That was yeah, yeah. I'm hour. telling you, man. Some he and a sheen has been known to happen when the flame is stoked one more time. <laughs> All right. I'm curious where they are right now is surprising to just about everybody. And I think even inside the organization, they would probably also tell us that they were were somewhat surprised by by this nice start by this team. So with that in mind, do you think that this start is changing any opinions on how they want to progress with this team in terms of, you know, philosophy of trades or what have you, what they want out of this team? Or is it still too early to tell Tony?
4: Yeah, a little bit of both. You know, I think that Tyrese Halliburton specifically being this good, this fast, you know, in his second season with the Pacers, third season in the NBA, right? He's on all-star track right now. I think that has to make them think a little bit differently about Maybe their timeline specifically with this core, you know, maybe they'll be better sooner than they thought. But that said, I think there is an element of it's too early to say specifically. And I say that because of the schedule they've played. And it's not just me saying they've played an easy, easier schedule, although they have. And some of their harder games have featured, you know, opponents sitting out. Jimmy Butler didn't play. Right. The entire Raptors team basically didn't play. But even Rick Carlisle said today, you know, hey, our schedule's about to get hard, right? He said that at practice earlier today. They play two home games this week against Minnesota, who's won four in a row, and Brooklyn, who has Kevin Durant, and then they have an extremely long, almost two-week road trip against several talented teams out West, and I think a lot will be learned about the team in that stretch in terms of how good their defense really is, how good they can be long-term. That's when I think the the, you know, the Patriots will really know how aggressive they can be with this team, their timeline, and things like that. Tony East
0: joins us. Is there anything that you think is beyond debate that we know about this team right now compared to some of the stuff that we're probably going to find out at a later date when that competition does escalate?
4: Uh, beyond debate, I think we know that, that uh, Tyrese Halbert is really good and Benedict Batherin can really score, and that's kind of about it. You know, that they, they, their defense has still been inconsistent. Basically, all their veterans have had – some up games, up games, excuse me, and some down games. So not a ton. I think we know for sure about this team other than maybe that Hal Burton's really good, but he's good enough that their offense is always going to be really good when he does play, right? Every single time he's on the floor, defense has changed. When he goes to the bench, the other teams start playing zone. They don't play zone when he's in the game because he can shoot over it and carve it up and make points happen. So I think that's the only known thing is that when he's out there, that team's going to be really good and really hard to stop, even with to the way other teams have been defending him changing throughout the season. But uh, th- that, that's about it at this stage. You know, they got a lot of young guys, a lot of vets who are in new roles or trying to prove something this season that who knows how long it can be sustained for this team.
0: I, Tony, Miles and his improvement when he's been on the floor this season. I, I have directly related that to Tyrese Halliburton, because Tyrese Halliburton is an elite-level, willing passer, which Miles has never played with anybody, and I mean anybody close to what he is seeing right now, and while being set up in these high-ball screen situations, I thought last night, I thought Orlando actually did a good job with it last night, but Miles and Tyrese Halliburton, they've carved up team defenses by doing what they're doing so far and and they both seem like that they fit very well so I guess my opinion would be as far as Miles is concerned do you think that 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 gives Kevin Pritchard Chad Buchanan a little bit of pause to think about you know should he not should he be a part of the longer term future with how these two have played together when they've been on the floor
4: yeah they certainly fit great together and you're right to point out that He's the best setup man Turner's ever had. Like, the, the second best passer Turner has played with at point guard is Jeff Teague. Yeah. And I think Turner was a rookie that season, right? Like, it, it not. And Jeff Teague was a good passer, but he was a rookie at that time and not nearly the level we're seeing from Halliburton, who leads the league in assists right now, right? So, if that is part of it, I think the other part of it is now that Turner is playing as the five all the time he rolls to the basket more. he wasn't rolling to the basket at all hardly the last couple seasons which has kind of unlocked a new element of his game where he's shooting around the rim and has opportunities to dunk and be more forceful and I think that's all made his game more dynamic this is maybe the best month he's had since his sophomore season in the league so uh how it changes the Pacers approach is fascinating right because yeah he's clearly good and if if they're a good team right they're 10 and 6 right now Good teams want to have good players, right? So, in theory, they'd want to keep him. But that said, I think Turner kind of said how this blueprint will go forward, right? On the Woj pod, and he said himself, they cannot afford to lose me for nothing, right? He said that about the Pacers when speaking about himself. He knows it's a business, and he's on an expiring contract. If he does not tell the Pacers at any moment between now and the trade deadline that he will sign a contract extension, even if he's having you know, an M V P caliber season. Unless the Pacers are in, you know, top three seed in the East and look like they could win a playoff series with turner on their roster, I think the situation's still the same as it was before the season where they have to consider moving him just because of his contract situation. Like he said himself, you know, it would look bad for them if they lose him for nothing, especially if the season doesn't lead to anything significant, right? They they had that with, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich, for example. They thought they were going to try to keep him, but you know, they lose him for nothing, even after they lose win no playoff games in his final season. That's a much smaller scale example, but you know it, it's tough to lose talented players for nothing. So outside of Turner saying, "Yeah, well, I want to stay and sign an extension," this team's trending in the direction that I like. I think they still have to consider approaching things with him the same way they had in the offseason. You think it all
0: – it's its a little bit split as far as – you love seeing how more dynamic he's become, especially with this connection with, with Halliburton. And, and that is good because the rest of the NBA sees that, and that certainly will, you know, increase his value. But at the same time, can you be also torn by suggesting, you know, we probably want this type of dude playing with Halliburton anyway – and the fact that he is here right now, we have him and we could keep him. I mean, would we want – Is Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson, can he end up being that? Are you looking someplace else? You think there's a little bit of a, a torn situation here with, with how productive Miles has been out of the gate?
4: Absolutely. I think there has to be, right? Like the, the ideal fit of players next to Halliburton can shoot the ball from deep and can defend really well. And, hey, look at that. Those happen to be the two things Miles Turner is known the best for at his position. So if if he had more than one year on his contract, I think all of this conversation would just be completely gone already, right? He clearly fits very well, fits well with the core in general, right? Even Yeah, Halliburton's been good for him, but the way he's been able to finally figure out how to play with Jalen Smith, him and Buddy Heald can play off of each other a little bit, right? All of that has made him fit really well. So I think that the, the, the... the actual change dynamics beyond Turner's future with the team is that, that they might want to resign him more than they thought they would have before the season started. And they still could, they have all the cat me- mechanisms to do so in the off season, if he's willing to stay, but it's, you know, if he goes into unrestricted for agency, you always run the risk. And he's a hard player to replace, right? He's one of the best five defenders in his position in the NBA. And if, the way he's scoring right now, he's one of the best 15 centers in the league, right? So, it's a hard player to replace and it's a very risky game they have to play but sure yeah the skill set fits perfectly with their their franchise player I'm sure they'd love to keep him now
0: All right, similar situation with Buddy Heal we talked about him just like we did Miles at the beginning of the season and he's kind of shot his way consistently enough into the minds of everybody around here of hold on a minute maybe he should not be trade bait here maybe you should keep him around because listen if there's anything in this era of the NBA or really any level of basketball right now that's at the top of the list it is. Shot making ability and Buddy Heald brings that.
4: Exactly, and he fits the opposite of the Turner thing that I just said, where he does have two years left on his deal, right? So it's not like there's pressure for the Pacers to immediately move him to, to not lose him for nothing. They can still, you know, him and Halliburton are very close. Halliburton has every game of his career he's played, Buddy Heald's been on his team, right? Like they are very close. Tyree says that he understands Buddy Heald more than anyone in the in the world that isn't his family, that isn't Heald's family, right? Like, he's not only good, but he's close with the franchise player. I don't think, like, before the season it made sense for them to consider moving Buddy Heal so they could, you know, give more minutes to Natherin and maximize his value as a player and all this stuff. But if he's really good and fits a good team, there's, there's no rush anymore, right? They can hold on to him, and maybe his value goes up next year. Maybe the the team does change the starting five. I don't know. A lot of stuff can change in a year in the NBA, But yeah, same kind of deal with Turner, where if they're playing this well, what's the rush? Why do they have to deal him now? He fits their current timeline of being good this season.
0: So, Tony East covers the NBA and the Pacers for WTHR.com, for Ford's Magazine, Locked on Pacers. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. So, what do you think actually catches up with some of these really good stories? I think uh, there are some really good stories across the board, Andrew Nimhart being one who was out last night with a toe injury. But you know what catches up, you think, with, with some of these great stories first? Is it the increasingly tougher schedule or the advanced scouting that's going on right now to try to handle them in the future? future
4: yeah i think a little of both is going to happen you know not only has their schedule been easy but they haven't played a ton of like the best defensive teams in the league the, the teams they have played that would be good defensive teams were missing guys i think like rudy gobert's in town tomorrow night maybe the best defender on the planet or one of them right how do they respond to that if they are getting stopped a lot can they still run in transition and, and play with their same identity right that is going to be one of the things that could disrupt the storyline or make you learn a little more about the Pacers is that sort of thing. And uh, I think the other part of it will be game planning. Ironically, I was asking Benedict Mather about that today. Like, how have you seen teams defend you differently now that they have tape on you before every game? And it's just, you know, the, the pressure on him's different or they're coming around screens a little different, things like that, that he has to adjust to on a game-by-game basis. So eventually, one, one of these good defensive teams is going to, execute a game plan that disrupts the Pacers in a way that other teams try to copy it. And then the Pacers last to adjust just try to beat it. That's how the NBA goes. But they haven't hit that snag yet. And I think that it will go in tandem where when they have this really tough upcoming road trip with some of these better defensive teams coming that, you know, are more capable of throwing more unique coverages at them or, you know, throwing the right defender on the right people to make the Pacers offense slow down, other teams can copy that. So not only will the hard schedule hurt them because they'll be playing better teams, but also it will give, Future teams, more of a blueprint on how to slow them down because, yeah, their defense has been better this month, but I also think eventually that that will you know, kind of be a little fool's gold when their schedule gets harder. Their offense has been the thing that's carried them. If that gets slowed down by you know a veteran team or a certain style, then we'll learn a lot about the Pacers and their ability to adjust. I
0: think we're going to learn a smidge coming up tomorrow night because you look at Minnesota, and they have a lot of things that really can offer up issues. I mean, Rudy Gobert has – in the past for miles and then you have carl anthony towns there as well but go bear i think go bear miles got into it two years ago didn't they both That's get right. tossed in salt lake city a couple of years ago
4: yeah that was actually last season which feels like two oh it was last be-
0: season good yeah. lord what wrong with it me? Feels
4: like Yeah, forever ago. Any, any game where Sabonis and Levert played feels like 10 years ago for the <laughs> Pacers, even though it was last November in Utah. But, yes, uh, that, that did happen very recently. And historically that's been yeah. an interesting matchup because, uh, you know, dating back to when Miles was with Team USA that summer, and he said that stuff about being like he was the best defender in the world, oh. and then Rudy Gobert yeah. pumped him, you know, three days later with the French national team. I think there's a little bit of personalness through that sort of matchup. And Minnesota's playing playing good all of a sudden. You know, they figured out they won four in a row. They just beat Miami in a nice game uh, last night, two nights ago. I can't remember. Specifically, you know, they they just – the way they're built specifically with the Townsville Bear front court will be tough for Jalen Smith uh, tomorrow night. And they have Anthony Edwards who, you know, is is one, a beast, and two, just a kind of player in terms of being – a stockier score that the Pacers have not been able to defend for a year. So that that will be a very tough match. If, if they win that game convincingly or even, you know, find some good solutions against Chris Finch's team, I think that will say a lot about the direction. Yeah,
0: I, I guess what I'm I'm saying too is, I mean, they, you know, you mentioned they've won four consecutive. They're just nine and eight right now, which a lot of people would eyeball that and go, well, this is a disappointing start for them, but they have been their best of the season in the last four.
4: Right. Absolutely. And, and the way they've been doing it too, like, Minnesota people, it's hard to connect a team really quickly that changes so much when you add Gobert. But they had an effort problem early in the season, quite frankly. Like I think they had a little bit of a playoff hangover because that franchise hadn't made it in twenty something years or something like that, and they they had an effort problem early in the year. They were losing to some crummy teams without giving it their all. But recently, I think they figured that out and playing hard. Weirdly enough, is kind of a skill in the NBA these days with how long the season is. And Minnesota's kind of figured that out as well. So they'll definitely be a tough test in a way that you know some of the Pacers' most most recent opponents
0: have not been. You mentioned too that western road trip is coming up beginning on on Sunday the 27th they have Minnesota then Brooklyn on Friday uh, L.A. and L.A., that's the Clippers and the Lakers, the 27th, 28th, and then Sacramento, the 30th, and we may be the only ones around here that really care, us and those in Sacramento, but you talk about a deal that I, I guess on the surface right now has appeared to work out well for both teams in this case. Now, still, if you're Sacramento, you kind of look at this and go, oh, I mean, really, Halliburton? But it, it seems like that, that everybody, at least at this point, has been happy.
4: Absolutely. It's kind of hilarious to look at the NBA right now because – The only team with a longer winning streak than the Pacers is the Kings, right, (laughs) who they traded with last year. So that trade appears to have been a a win-win for both teams. Now, of course, in that situation, the team that walked away with the younger player might have a better long-term outlook, which is the Pacers in this case with Tyrese Halliburton. But the Kings haven't made the playoffs since I, I, I saw this on on the internet the other day, so I'll just use this example. Since before Twitter existed, right, it's been a very long time yeah. since the Sacramento Kings played a playoff game. They they don't care about the future as much. They want to be good now, and Sabonis has been really good for them in their last 10 games. Darren Fox is player of the week in the West last week, right, how fitting that him and Halberton got it in the same week. So they're actually playing very well right now. And then they also have Utah with the altitude on this road trip. They've got Portland with Damian Lillard, Minnesota again. Like, it, it's a really tough. Run of seven games, and even with like I think going three and four even would be a successful trip, given how the Pacers have played. Yeah,
0: that's what I was gonna. I was gonna ask you about the seven games. Where's the success lie in wins and losses
8: for them?
4: Yeah, two or three, I think. Given how I mean, the Lakers they're better than, and that that's the only team that you look at this slate of games and say, yeah, they're they're definitely better on talent wise than that team, and even the Lakers if LeBron's back by then, yeah, they're better, but. You want to bet against LeBron James? You know, still no one wants to do that. So, you know, I, the line of success is, is pretty low for me. I think three would be really – four or more would be awesome. Three would be a good trip for the team. Two would be like, you know, maybe the expected number. And one or zero is, of course, disappointing over a seven-game stretch. But maybe that's telling them short. We are talking about a 10-6 and six Pacers team that has the second-longest win streak in the NBA right now. I just think that that run is so many tough teams with all the travel in between and time zones. They have two back-to-backs in there as well. Like, it's about as hard of a seven-game trip as the NBA can give a team, so it'll really test the pace.
0: When do you expect Duarte's return?
4: Yeah, we uh, the, the the recent thing with him is that uh, he could return during this road trip. It's unlikely he's going to play during the, the two-game home they've got, but we, we've been able to see him doing a lot more, right, like in the immediate in the portions of practice. He's been – uh, back in basketball, she was getting shots up, running around a lot more, whereas for the first couple of weeks, he was exclusively in sandals. So, I, I don't know exactly what the date would be for him, but uh, it seems like it will be uh, on this upcoming road trip, if not maybe the end of this week. And, uh, you know, just going off of Blomelo Ball, who had a great two-ankle sprain, the same injury for the Hornets uh, this season, he missed a little under one month, like one day less than a month. So, Duarte got hurt on November 4th. Perhaps like very early December, we could see Chris Duarte back on the floor.
0: They pleasantly surprised as of late with Aaron Neesmith.
4: It had to be right. He had his best career game uh, Saturday. They, they lose that game with Aaron Neesmith certainly because he made the play of the game to to give them the winning points. But not only is he you know playing the defense he did with the Celtics, he's hitting threes at like a reasonable rate, and he's dribbling the ball more than he ever did with Boston. Like every part of his game that they would have hoped he could add to, or Sustain he has like, and you need wings in the NBA. He's not the tallest guy, but he's done a great job in an easy position. I, it's impossible for them not to be pleased with him, given that you know he wasn't really that much for the Celtics in his first couple of years. And he's been very solid for the Pacers so far.
0: So Tony East talking Pacers. You, you think that um, maybe some decisions, harder core decisions, might be made depending upon how they view that trip successfully? You think anything, <laughs> or is that still too early?
4: Uh, the, well, the thing about the timing of that trip is it ends December, you know, eighth, and yeah. most, of the, most of the players that can be traded in the NBA become trade eligible on December 15th. So like that's when teams start to really lock down their assessments, think about what their future looks like and trade seasons month long. It's not like they have to make every decision right then and there, but you no, know, they will know their situation better. Other teams will know how good the Pacers and their players really are like, it won't be firm, but I think they'll have a much better idea about the hard decisions they'll have to make. And this season's very unique in that you know they've exceeded expectations by every account, even probably internally to this stage. And yet they still have all these hard decisions to make about their long-term future. Right? Like they said before the season, you know, we're thinking differently now. We have a more long-term approach to team building. You know, we'll find out if the Pacers still can feel that way if their team is as good as it looks like it is so far because that can be tantalizing to to continue to try to run it with the team that you have that's winning and you know, winning over the hearts of fans that have seen a, a crummy team for the last couple seasons. Like, I think we're going to learn a lot about how the front office used this team in the next couple months. Yeah,
0: well. I, I, and the owner, too, I, I guess. Right, I, right, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of curious about that. And I, and I guess I'm thinking about this, Tony, before I let you go here. you got the 28th, and, you know, they're back-to-back in L.A., the 27th, the 28th, but with the Lakers. And, and who knows whether or not that is you know, still in play, but that was you know, a rumor regarding miles that never has gone away. Who knows if there's legitimacy to it, but, you know, a lot of people are saying, hey, is that somewhat of a dress rehearsal depending upon how well Miles plays in that game? I I don't look at it, I guess, that simply, but it is certainly a layer of interest on the 28th in L.A.
4: Of course. It's going to be the story for Buddy as well, right? Um, It was funny to hear, and I brought this up twice already, but when Miles did the Wojt pod interview, and uh, it was two days after the Pacers played on ESPN, and and him and Buddy Heald both had – really good games against the Wizards on national TV that night. Yep. He he said that, you know, they were joking on the team bus about like all the funny tweets about, them going to a different team that night because they played so well on national TV, right? And I say that all to say, you know, they are aware of the situation, right? Well, and and then
0: that so Monday, Miles had the worst game of all time, too. So
4: yeah. worst of it's clear, the, the worst timing to have that. Game. Yeah. He's been yeah. Fantastic ever since, ironically enough, because he was really crummy that night in Bad. Brooklyn. But they're all very painfully aware of the situation, right? So they know they're playing the Lakers. They know they're playing in LA. This coming weekend, I'm sure. I don't know what they want or what what their long-term outlooks specifically are right now. It has to be very fun to be playing on this team right now, which, of course, makes you think about different things. But, yeah, I absolutely think that will be a story of that game. And if they play well or if they beat the Lakers by 20, all that stuff's going to heat up again, especially because you know, you've seen a lot of murmurs recently about the Lakers kind of changing their thinking since Westbrook has been moved to the bench. He's played a little bit better. For them, but at the same time, they don't care about Russell Westbrook playing well. They didn't win with LeBron James on their team, and they're still not winning. So uh, that game will be very important for potentially, you know, a big game from or Turner and reigniting those talks in a way that you know I've been happy that they that they've died early in the season, so I can talk about basketball instead of potential things that might happen. But yeah. at the same time, I understand why that game specifically could reignite some things.
0: Isaiah Jackson gonna be
4: available tomorrow night. Uh, we'll see. It turns out he heard his foot landing very late, like one of the last possessions of uh, the game against the Magic on uh, Monday, so we'll see if he's able to go. It doesn't sound like he practiced at all uh, today, so we'll see if, that, if that's the case. I think he's still doing some testing to see uh, if it will keep him out or anything like that. He, he's been pretty good at recovering and being able to play through stuff, but Uh, Not necessarily
0: a rush. They've got some depth at center. We'll see if he's able to go. He's uh, Tony East, Forbes, WTHR.com, Locked On Pacers. so much more covering the Pacers, and he does it uh, greatly, no doubt about that, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I don't know if you're playing a role tomorrow night in high school hookup Wednesday night, but (laughs) if you do, enjoy it. Okay, enjoy it. Okay, don't enjoy it. Stay at home and enjoy (laughs) what you're doing at home. And we'll catch up a little bit later on in the season. Tony, thank you. Thank you for having me, Jamie. It's uh, Tony East right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So, I've got some time. You guys got some time? We've got the time. 239-1070, that's the number. I've got you and me the rest of the way on anything we've talked about so far. When you look at the schedule that is coming up, and I hope we don't all in a couple of weeks – go how disappointing is because we're all let's face it we are all conditioned to be a little bit slep around here and i know when you view the pacers some of you want them to lose so this is probably going to to be rejuvenating for you or at least has the possibility to be I, i'm just not one of those I, I'm, I'm i'm sick of losing i'm sick of watching losing i'm sick of talking about losing sick of covering losing i'm just sick of it so when somebody wins and especially somebody surprisingly wins, that, that gives me more joy to talk about. I'm going to be drawn to that. But we are of a schlepprockish attitude right now, and I know we're all looking at that schedule. That is a seven-game, I think it's two weeks or nearly two weeks on the road out west. That is lengthy. That is early season-wise, is going to tell that tale of the tape. I mean, when you think about it, Clippers, Lakers, think about the winnables for a moment. Clippers, Lakers, Kings, Jazz. Blazers, Warriors, Timberwolves. Of those seven games, logically speaking, what do you come away with and if you're into winning, if you're into losing, you're probably saying, oh, I lose them all. Win Bayama. But if you're into winning and you like to see these guys win and you enjoy that, what, what do you come away with as a positive for that seven gamer? That thing is a marathon. Then you have two more prior to that Minnesota coming up tomorrow night in town, and then Brooklyn on Friday. Then they embark. 27th. So the Colts are going to be playing on Monday night. Monday night football. And the Pacers are going to be playing on Monday night, the Lakers. Man, that is lengthy. Get your thoughts on that coming up on the other side. We'll double back to the Colts. The Nick Sirianni story. I laid that out for you a little bit earlier. If you missed that, I will rehash it. College football if you want. A little college hoop if you want. World Cup, if you want to drop in for that, and tomorrow where you need to be because you potentially can win big. It's a Bud Light Blue Wednesday in Broad Ripple at Brothers coming up tomorrow. I'll tell you what you can win and get to your phone calls at 239-1070 next.
5: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesempta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection,
1: the ride with jmv
2: i fart in your general direction your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberry
1: 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
0: kevin bowen is going to join us tomorrow and nothing against kevin all because he's right that's how people view it but i'll be honest with you I don't ever want to have to hear competitive loss again. I'm so sick of competitive loss, competitive loss, competitive loss. You know how big of losers we are? Why are we so big of losers? Competitive loss. I'm so sick of hearing that. That is like the ultimate Slep Rock attitude I just gave to you. Anybody else with me on that? Anybody else okay with watching a young team like perform well and win? And again, Pacer fans, you may get what you want if you think you're going to be on the Wimbayama sweepstakes. Good luck with that, by the way. But if you think, I mean, this team could go out on this seven-game, nine-and-a-half-month Western Road swing and go over, And then you're back in business. 33 might get worked by Gobert tomorrow night. A little combination of Gobert and (laughs) Cat. Cat. But, man, I can't lie, it feels good when you watch a team around here actually perform well, close out a game, and win. I'm just so sick of watching this crap. I cannot be the only one that's sick of losing. The of sitting around talking about an offseason lead-up about, oh, this and that, and this is what's going to be good, and here we go, we're in business, and pfft. If that makes me schlep rock, or if that makes me old and crusty, then so be it, because I am sick of it. I am sick of competitive loss and a good loss. Losses suck. Seems like we've had our experience with loss enough around here where you would embrace some winning. Just me, though. Maybe that is Kenny run You may end up getting your wish, though. Seven-game road trip. The Timberwolves tomorrow night, you get Brooklyn. Is Irving back with Brooklyn now? What's he been up to? Know, the last time out. That last Brooklyn game with, with 33. woo <laughs> That was a night. See, I only get crap. Like I got crap last night for a 10-5 and game. I got crap for a 10-5. and You imagine what I got in a game where you get benched at the end of it. When finally Rick Carlisle puts up his hands, and goes, "A hell with this! Get this guy out of here!" That's how bad that was. Irving back? Yes, he is wonderful. Wonderful. I don't think I'm alone on this. Just you'd be not. I I will celebrate some consistent winning. I think this is a substantial rut. Think about that. How bad it is around here. This is how bad it is around here. Ready? How bad it is with the attitudes. The attitudes of many of the way they look at their team. You have a former offensive coordinator that rolls in here. His team completely underperforms, but gets over on a mediocre at best team on Sunday. And then he rolls over and talks junk on the sideline, backing up his friend Frank Reich. You squeeze past the Colts and their tepid at best offense. And you're talking junk on the sideline, which is fun. I mean, listen, you back up the guy that helped get you to where you are. You know, whether it was with the Chargers or here, or then obviously giving him a great deal of love to to help get that gig last year in Philadelphia. And also know this, for Nick Sirianni, go ahead and let him celebrate these victories because, like, the first disappointment he has, everybody there in that city, everybody in that market is going to be coming for him. Everybody's going to be coming for him. Again, don't get lost in the whole Sirianni stuff on Sunday with the simple fact is that change had to be made. You could not move forward after that New England debacle with what you had gone with with your head coach. It was over. Over. Dean Wormer shut down the Delta house, and it was over. You had to do something about it. And they did. Now, whether or not it's a savvy maneuver, the right move, uh, we can figure that out at a later date, but something had to be done. Don't let that get lost in all of this other crap that's going on, because that is it. That part had to happen, no matter how it affected Nick Sirianni. All right, 239-1070. Let's get back to the phones. Aaron is up next today. Hello, A. Hey,
2: what's up, John? You
0: enjoying my you know diatribe what? right there?
2: Are you into oh, it? yeah. I'm, man, I'm, I'm with you when you're right. As my big brother used to say, "I'm with you when you're right." <laughs> Check this. Out. I got something I want to get off my chest because I've been noticing this for like, so many years. Yep, we cannot stand a superstar in this town. It's like we're scared for a brash athlete to arrive here. You know, just keep him out there, just play. We don't want all that extra stuff. Well, who is that? who is that though, Aaron? Who is that brash you know, athlete? Sanders.
0: Who is that brash uh-huh. athlete? Who is that?
2: No, I'm just saying in general. Could you imagine if Deion Sanders was available? Oh no, he wears too many chains. He speaks too loud. I too loud.
0: I, I I think we're gonna have to differ in opinion here because I think anybody that were to bring winning here would be celebrated because this place should be sick and tired of the mediocrity.
2: I'm talking about the folks that sits in the lower bowl reading newspapers, that don't know the first thing about sports. They can only afford the ticket that go to the game, and you hear it on the radio all the time. We don't need all this extra stuff. I'm just saying, we need we need ballers, man. And speaking of ballers, my patients take. I used to have a um, a little bit boxer dog. He was a uh, He was very new, but we also had a Dublin Pincher And we would feed the uh, little boxer, and the Dublin Pinscher would come over and try to take his food, and he just growled right at him. He stood up to him. And that's what I believe this Pacer team is doing. They're not scared of none of these teams that's established. You know, why should they wait? Why should they wait? They turn, I hear so many people. Well, you know, they got to grow. No, they ready to ball. And And, and that's how you grow.
0: You're right, Aaron. That's how you grow. You get through those situations. Now, again, we we do look at the schedule, and we've noticed that it hadn't been that tough. But you grow by
2: closing games like that. I I completely agree with that, completely. And so many many times, even when Reggie Miller was drafted, he had to sit behind John Long. Why is it that when we get a draft pick in the top five or six, they have to come off the bench? other teams, they get right in you know, there.
0: Let me tell you this, and, and i got to run here and hit a break. I, I remember what you're talking about. Reggie Miller's rookie year. So I go to a game up here. I think they're playing Boston. And Reggie was out there. And man, nobody would pass him the ball. Like Nobody would pass the rookie the ball. He'd hit a couple of shots and the crowd was getting excited and nobody would pass him the ball. Oh, man, get this because We were all excited. Like, right? we knew we watched Reggie play at UCLA. You know, and watched him clearly take a huge dump on IU and the NIT that year. We'd watched all of that and you we know, were excited. And I know some people were caught up in the whole they didn't draft offer, but man, not us. We saw Reggie Miller, he could shoot. He was brash. We were digging on that, but man, people would they would not his teammates would not pass him the ball. At least the game I saw against Boston, you know, if you remember back in the day, the the Boston games were all Larry Bird fans. Yeah, Boston fans. They would not pass him the ball. I was trying to think, that was during a spring break, a spring break of nineteen. 19- Help me out here. Nineteen eighty-eight spring break. That's where I spent my spring. I I do. I do some incredible vacations, as you can tell. I said a little bit earlier. I haven't had a vacation in the better part of four years or so. Four years plus, probably. Haven't gone anywhere. And um, and that's a lot on me because my family's gone. They just choose to go without me, which is probably a smart move. But. Spring break when a lot of my friends just, like, loaded up in the car and they go down to, to Florida and they're running around naked the entire time and there's just all kinds of, you know, what going on in spring break. Uh, me and a couple of friends come up here and stay. We stay at the Hyatt downtown for a couple of nights and go to the Pacers-Celtics game. I blank you not. Stayed at the Hyatt. That was me. And there was zero to do. Nothing to do downtown, especially for somebody that was – my age, I think I was, what, 18, 17, seventeen, eighteen at the time. I didn't have a fake, or I wasn't able to get in some places yet. And there was nothing to do downtown. I think that was, other than, I will say this, you go back, it started, the, the Union Station kind of started the the fun stuff to do. For some reason, I thought this was prior to Union Station. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But yeah, I go to spring break at the Hyatt downtown. And go watch the Celtics and the Pacers, but literally nobody nobody on his team would pass Reggie the ball when he was a rookie. Uh, it worked out great though. Seriously, I um I'm altogether on board with, with some winning. And maybe we'll look back and you go, see, that's just a bad take. You want these guys to lose. Look at the position they're in. I want to see these guys succeed. I want to see these guys perform to a level of success that carries over, that makes them a better group, better individually, better as a team. And I guess if that ends up hijacking, you know, draft position, then to me, so be it. But. I know I'm in the minority of thought right there. All right, Jack, on the other side, I'll get to you before we close this show out. Tomorrow, seven pair of Steelers Colts Monday night tickets. We're going to be at Brothers in Broad Ripple. Broad Ripple, from what I hear, on High School Hookup Wednesday before Thanksgiving is a very fun place to be a part of. So tomorrow beginning at three o'clock, we're gonna be at Broad Ripple. We're going to be at Brothers in Broad Ripple. Bud Light Blue Wednesday, seven pair of Steelers Colts tickets for that Monday night encounter that's coming up tomorrow again. Brothers in Broad Ripple. 9351075
5: the Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Key Simpta
1: The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: Hey, welcome back tomorrow again. Broad Ripple, brothers. Bud Light Blue Wednesday. Seven pair of Steelers Colts tickets. Hope to see you there. Tom Duffy says, yeah, Philly can their head coach that won their first Super Bowl in ages. Life can come at you pretty fast in that market. Yeah, it can. It can. I saw Daniel R. Glass just tweeted me. He saw this at the Walmart location on 96th Street. Be on the lookout. I believe I pronounced it wrong yesterday, which is non-surprising to anybody. I think I pronounced it Utes. Oots Potato chips? The Walmart on 96th Street has the crab chip flavor. Crab chip, everybody. Shout out to BT. Du, by the way, making it on the uh, Pacer's Twitter handle. His professional review. Right lower side right there. That would be Pacers. So fun to watch. <laughs> That's really good. Hey shout out to Marshall R. Teague. Who just tweeted at me. You guys remember who Marshall R. Teague is. Marshall R. Teague played Jimmy in Roadhouse. Jimmy was the top tough and or henchman of Brad Wesley that Dalton had to stick a fork into after he blew up Emmett's house. <laughs> Marshall R. Teague was Jimmy and Roadhouse just tweeted at us. See, it's a good day when Jimmy from Roadhouse tweets at us. Ben writes this, damn, Zeke is jacking your vacays up now for years to come. I, I'm not gonna, Yeah, Zeke. Zeke the cat is not going to allow me to go anywhere. You believe that too? My daughter, Lainey, gets a cat. I say, no, 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 no. And, of course, when I'm gone, they get a cat. And Zeke the Cat likes me better than anybody. How the hell's that happen? And I'm a complete crank to him, too. JMV, the Pacers can add a clause to Miles Turner's extension that he can play with my Lego Group collection anytime. Whatever it takes, sign him. Hey, by the way, JMV, this is from Michael. A little bit earlier. You quoted a film from 1993 that was dazed and confused. That was the quote. Now remember, eat a green thing. Young mothers, eat a green thing every day. We'll see you tomorrow night. Cardinal Jack, jump on here, Jack. How are you?
3: Captain Johnny, will you save me an ice cold bud uh, tomorrow Oh, afternoon? yeah, you coming by, are you? Seven pair, I'm man. I mean, it, your odds are
0: good to win tomorrow cardinal jack
3: seven tickets come on now hey so listen i had to chuckle the other night watching that game that the pacers beat orlando by one with right yes and you know your blogger boys just torment you over miles all right so on that last play where um the guy comes down the left side throws that alley-oop up, misses it, and there's a scramble at the rim. They're trying to tip it in. It was Miles who got his hand on that ball. Of course it was, yes. And tipped it out to – I forget who he tipped it to at at the free-throw line, and they dribbled the ball out. But the interesting thing about that play, then the clock goes down. The whole Pacer team got together, and they're going crazy over that win, and Miles is right in the middle of it. So – I'm not so certain that the final chapter on him hasn't been written that you know winning solves a lot of problems and this team they're fun and they're winning right
0: they're i don't and I don't mind it. I, I mean, I don't mind. It, listen, those that want to see them be competitive and a lose because of draft position, you're going to get your opportunity when they embark on this two-week, seven-game Western road swing because you could see a lot of losses in that. But I well, would, we'll I see. would prefer to watch somebody win around here consistently. Is that a bad thing? If that's a bad thing, then I'm a bad person, so be it. I'm with you, brother. See you tomorrow. All right, Cardinal Jack, tomorrow, seven pair plus BK. Of the shop in Broad Ripple and Carmel. The vintage t shirt expertise of BK and Alex. They're going to have some special stickers coming tomorrow. That is a Wednesday before Thanksgiving tradition. Special stickers. You know who loves stickers? Uh, my daughter's friend and uh, basketball teammate, Crosby. He has a water bottle and she's got Janvi Takeover stickers all over, and she's a big fan. Which is outstanding. So, yeah, tomorrow we got stickers coming at you too. It is. It is a Wednesday before Thanksgiving tradition. Indeed, it is. Hey, JMV, I get what you're saying about this, but do you think that as an end result, this team still ends up middling and you miss out on something you could have had if you're a little bit worse? I. I just I don't know how you can continue to hope for competitive losses or entertaining losses. And that's not at all against the. And that wasn't even the point that Kevin was trying to make. He just mentioned that game as being on Sunday, entertaining. Well, I should say, check that competitive, and the team losing. I just I want to see these teams start cashing in. I'm sick of waiting for draft picks. I'm. How many more years do I have? <laughs> I mean, I may not even make it out of this chair and down the stairs. All right? I want to see some winning. And I don't mind it. All right. James, great job out of you. James has got another day coming up tomorrow and for Kyle Utimark. My thanks to Greg Rakestraw. Greg Rakestraw, who accurately pronounced all the uh, defending FIFA World Cup french team players that i mispronounced did that talked a little high school football finals coming up on friday and saturday and colts as well ben brown pff tony east covers the paces for forbes wthr.com and more podcast 107 fythefan.com tomorrow in broad ripple high school hookup wednesday night broad ripple Bud Light Blue Wednesday, your chance at seven pair of Steelers Colts tickets as well. I'll see you in Broad Ripple at Brothers tomorrow at three. Have a great night. Hey fans, want new flooring and want it now. March is the time to buy at Floors to Your Home, right Brian Kahn? It really is, JMV. We have the state's largest selection
10: of new flooring in stock. And we've just received additional truckloads of new hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. So we're marking everything down. Brian, I'm looking at some of your incredible deals. We always sell up to 50% off those big box
0: stores. But for a limited time, you can get new flooring starting at just $0.80 a square foot. 80 cents a square foot that's incredible that's three rooms of hardwood laminate or waterproof starting under 350 dollars at floors to your home and you can get it right now we have over 1200 styles in stock floors to your home is the place for the lowest prices anywhere in indiana I'm doing my whole house. Three very convenient locations. Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville
10: Road. Who has the lowest prices on flooring? Floor's your home. That's who.